Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. Yes, I'm in a busy day, but I'm still typing things at the last minute here. <laughs> this is one of those days. So that's where we are right now. Um, it's cool out, which is nice. The window's open. Life is good. Here, got the fans going. So uh, I should be full of energy and vim and vigor and pep and all those uh, vitality things and stuff like that. No energy drinks. Don't do that. Don't need that. Um, but you know it's a busy day, like I say, when I'm typing till the last minute. Something happened last night. It was, it was quite fascinating on the uh, – <clears throat> excuse me on the Action Radio uh, legal page. And one of our folks, I think it was Tina Cherry. I'm not sure. She's been a, a reporter on the show. She's, she's in uh, Arizona. Um, but there was a gentleman that came to my attention, uh, John Gentry, who's running for governor in Tennessee. And he may be listening right now. In fact, I was just, you know, Facebook messaging like about 30 seconds before the show came on. Um, that's how it goes around here. I mean, the, the, the Action Radio is a continuum. On the air, off the air, it just, it never stops. It's just this fascinating uh, adventure. Anyway, so he has something called a remonstrance. I, I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. Uh, forgive me now. I'm going to look it up. I'm going to check it out. But what it does is it's a procedure which you can recall um, corrupt public officials, particularly judges. And so I also was talking in one of his videos about Article 6 uh, in the Constitution being able to recall judges. Now, I've always felt you could recall judges. Uh, in fact, it's interesting. The Constitution does not use the word justice when referring to the Supreme Court. If you go to Article 3, you'll see they talk about – it says they talk about judges, not justices, but judges. So I'm curious when, when that name changed. But because it says terms of good behavior and not lifetime employment, um, there's no such thing as lifetime employment for judges. It's good behavior. Good behavior to me is defined by following the Constitution. So when they stray outside the Constitution – like not taking the Texas election case or, or Roe v. Wade, which is a piece of legislation, or any of the other activist things that they have done, uh, Plyler v. Doe mandating that Americans pay foreign aid to illegal alien students in our schools. Uh, none of that stuff is legal, and anybody who voted for that should be recalled for bad behavior. You can't openly violate the Constitution so stupidly, especially as somebody who's a, a federal judge or a Supreme Court judge, as it says in the Constitution, and not pay a price for that. That kind of, you know, and I don't even think that's negligence or incompetence. That's just willful, uh, willful uh, violation of our Constitution because they're not stupid people. You know, they've gone through law school and they've been uh, lawyers and judges and probably trial lawyers and uh, worked their way up the chain. And uh, unfortunately, they've weeded out all the people that actually follow the Constitution. So by the time you get to the Supreme Court, you're probably the most co-opted, you know, uh, disillusioned, easily manipulated member of the, uh, of the deep state. Uh, how else would you get there? So and that includes except for two. There's two people that I do respect on the Supreme Court. Uh, one of them is Clarence Thomas and the other is Sam Alito. The rest of them should be replaced immediately. That's the first thing. Second thing, we have a big show coming up in, uh, in Milton, Florida, where I'm in, where I am broadcasting, like I say, on the banks of the, the Blackwater River. Well, not exactly right on the banks, but uh, you know what I mean, uh, down here in the Gulf Coast of Florida. And that is the Creek Tribe. Santa Rosa Creek Tribe um, has a big creek fest going on. This, I think they're calling themselves the Santa Rosa Creek Band now, which is interesting. They made me a member, so I'm actually a member. I am now Native American, a member of the Santa Rosa Creek Band, and so I'll be participating in the, uh, the Creek Fest, which used to be called the Pow Wow. Uh, that's going to be the weekend before Thanksgiving, and so we're broadcasting at 6 in the morning. Central time. It's going to be up early. You know, you folks on the, on the West Coast probably won't even have gone to sleep yet, and Hawaii is probably dinner time. Anyway, so up at 6 in the morning, Saturday, 
November 19th, and we'll have all the, uh, hopefully the Tribal Council, uh, Chief Dan Skyhorse is a friend of mine. Um, his name is Chosloko Suta in Muskogee. My name is Aponyo Suta, which is kind of interesting. His name is, is uh, um, uh, oh, God, I can't, oh, I can't believe, he's, uh, he's going to hate me now. I'm terrible with names. My, my name is Skytalker, so his name is Skyhorse. There we go. So I totally redeemed myself. Anyway, so I was given the name Oponyo Suta by the Creek tribe. That means Sky Talker, which basically is radio host, you know, at a time before there was radio. Um, and so I, I have, a, that's a great honor to me. And so, uh, you know, what I want to do for the Creek tribe uh, is anything I can. Uh, and that includes broadcasting, you know, before the Creek Fest. Um, so that's it for, for notes. Now let's get to the main topic. <laughs> Something happened recently. I think it was either Thursday or Friday. Was it Friday night? Uh, where, where Paul Pelosi, okay, and this is what I call the show Lifestyles of the Rich and Infamous, right? Because this guy's got a record going back to uh, high school where he tragically uh, was in a car accident with his brother and his brother died. And I think that shaped most of the rest of his life. Anyway, so Lifestyles of the Rich and Infamous. Um, I've got about six different articles to go through. So I'll start them because articles, they tend to get kind of fluffy and stupid and repetitive once you get about halfway through. So the first half of articles are great, but these people don't know when to quit. I think they're paid by the word. So we'll start to do that. But think about this. Okay, so Paul Pelosi, right? None of this scenario makes sense. Uh, so we're expected to believe that uh, some crazed maniac, right-wing, Trump-supporting, MAGA, you know, racist, homophobe, probably Islamophobe, and all this other kind of stuff, went through one of the most secure houses in the world, okay, without being noticed by the police, by cameras, by any other security measure, and just, you know, apparently broke through a window, which apparently the police broke. I'll tell you about that later. But we're supposed to believe that he broke into through a window in his underwear <laughs> with a hammer and, uh, and attacked violently uh, Paul Pelosi and put him in the hospital and he had to have uh, brain surgery. Okay, that is the tragic part. That is, that is terrible. I mean, don't, nothing against, you know, I mean, what happened to him, that is absolute tragedy. That's a horrible thing that have happened. That's not the story, though. And so I want to put that aside. And I wish him well. I wish him a speedy recovery. Uh, I, but, however, his lifestyle uh, is open to scrutiny because he is a public figure, as is mine, as is anybody else in the public eye. And especially when you happen to be <clears throat> married to the Speaker of the House, one of the most uh, powerful people in the world, and that would be Nancy Pelosi. Now, just as an aside, I'm kind of fond of telling this story. Uh, I don't do it often, but since Nancy Pelosi is in the news so much, I might as well tell you once again that way back in my impetuous youth, um, I moved to California from, from New England, from uh, Massachusetts, and I came out to the San Francisco Bay Area hoping to get a job uh, as a, uh, working in a flying school because in those days I wanted to be an airline pilot. In many ways, I still do. It's a bit late. I'm doing action radio, so hopefully this show will take off and I can uh, buy my own jet so I can take off. I mean, literally my own jet. I mean, I'm not, I'm, I want to fly it myself. I used to be an instructor. Anyway, so I finally got all my ratings, but I got them too late because by the time I got them, all the airlines were going broke. And there were thousands upon thousands upon thousands of pilots being laid off. And for, for a lot of us that were on a shoestring anyway, by the time they started hiring again, we kind of lost our flight skills. Uh, so a lot of people did other stuff or went back to instructing later. Anyway, interesting story. Uh, but the point of this one was that uh, at the time I needed another job. I ended up doing singing telegrams because I've always been kind of an entertainer, right? And so uh, Eastern Onion, and they were great. They were fabulous. But in the, the fall of 87, in November of 80, 1987, right, uh, I was called to do a congratulations um, uh, event for a woman who had just won a seat in Congress. You know what's coming, right? <laughs> okay. So I get there at the Old North Beach Restaurant. And it's a, oh, not Old North, but the North Beach Restaurant, which is a beautiful Italian restaurant. Uh, it's expensive. 
Uh, it's where the, the, you know, the people of San Francisco go, uh, Michael Savage, you know, Dr. Savage is, is a frequent visitor to the North Beach restaurant. And if you know what he looks like, you'll probably just walk up and he'll scream at you and do all kinds of stuff. But uh, Michael Savage in San Francisco. Actually, I was one of his first callers when he came on the air uh, on KGO, you know, back in, in the 90s. That's, that's kind of an interesting story, too. Anyway, so Nancy Pelosi was the person that was supposed to do my singing telegram for him, right? So here I am, like 27. I'm a kid, right? And so, uh, you know, I have my, my red tuxedo from Eastern Onion. And I got that little crazy monkey, you know, that you wind up and the, the cymbals clap. And I didn't use it much because it was stupid. But I did it sitting in Nancy Pelosi's lap, not knowing who she was or who she was going to be, of course, right? Sit in her lap, put my arm around her and say, hey, congratulations, babes. <laughs> Welcome to Congress. And sang a song. Now, somewhere there are pictures of this event out there. I know there are uh, because somebody had to book it. In fact, I'm, I'm tempted to call Eastern Onion and see if they have the records going back that far. But somebody booked that scene in Telegram. And somewhere out there are pictures of me at 27 sitting in Nancy Pelosi's lap with a horrified look on her face. I'm talking a horrified look on her face. You know, big brown eyes the whole bit. Uh, so that's that's my story of, of uh, that's as close as I've been to to power. <laughs> you know, anyway, so that aside, something is very wrong with this story. There's been something wrong with it uh, all the way along. So, again, we're expected to believe this guy breaks in and all of a sudden, you know, attacks Paul Pelosi with a hand. Well, this is the same Paul Pelosi who a few months previously was uh, drunk in a in a car. I think he has a Porsche convertible, ran off the road or, or hit another person. Um, and they didn't. They waited like four hours to do a breathalyzer. Oh come on, <laughs> you know. And all, and all kinds of other inconsistencies. Anyway, he escaped that pretty much. And so I'm guessing as being part of the rich and powerful, um, and the one who has invested, you know, all kinds of money allegedly. I better throw that in, based on on Nancy Pelosi's insider trading information, because she's Speaker of the House and knows all the big business deals, the big contracts, the big things that are going on in government. Uh, he's been able to purchase a whole lot of stock based on allegedly insider information tips, uh, and they've made uh, just a ton of money. Very similar to Senator Dianne Feinstein, who's married to Richard Blum, who is one of the big real estate developers, a heavy investor in China. And guess what? They had a Chinese driver. That, you know, so so uh, the Chinese are well entrenched in the, on the, in the Feinstein family. They're, they're completely entrenched in the Biden family. Uh, one of our, our chief political mafia family, you know, the insurrectionist leader who's uh, currently occupying the White House illegally as far as, uh, you know, massive amounts of information and uh, uh, voter fraud records show. Anyway, uh, in fact, One American News has been showing uh, 2,000 mules several times, all, all uh, uh, I think starting uh, Friday, and they've been doing it all through this weekend. I think they did it last weekend, too. So there's inconsistencies. So the question always comes up of the double standard of justice. In other words, the rich and powerful can get rich and powerful lawyers. Uh, and if they're liberal, rich and powerful, they get the whole media behind them. So you get the media plus the rich and powerful lawyers, uh, plus the government who's not going to prosecute, plus the, the law enforcement people who aren't going to prosecute because in California, they're liberal, rich and powerful or aspiring to be too. And so these, the, these scales of justice are definitely in the favor of Paul Pelosi. However, you know, there's something wrong here. And this just happens to be a really interesting day because Dorothy Diana, who does our sex and sensuality report, comes on after Jonathan Moe, who does our legal report. So we're going to talk about the legal issues, and that's all well and good. But I want to ask Dorothy about, you know, sex and power couples. All right. So this guy's allegedly gay. Uh, I don't know if he is or not. That's what they're reporting. I got several sources. So, you know, I, I can report it. Right. That's, you know, so I gather my evidence, get my sources, and I always credit my sources so you know exactly who and what I'm talking about and where it comes from. Most of which are already on my Facebook page. And now because of, of Elon Musk, they're on my Twitter account. So I have a Twitter account that actually can do something now, which is really nice. I didn't have one before. 
uh, that I could do anything with because I was so heavily censored on Twitter. So Twitter's open. So please go to uh, Action Radio GP. That's me. And uh, so that's how you find my, my Twitter account. So with all this inconsistency, with all these things going on, with all this, this strange stuff happening, uh, the major media has completely suppressed the information. And so this is where it gets interesting, right? So we're wondering why. And so let me get you a couple things that I found. I'm just going to have to move my, my, uh, my studio screen here a little bit. But there are two memes circulating. Uh, I think they're both from Laura Logan. They're on my Twitter account. Uh, check her account. That's probably the best way to find them. And so let me see if I can pull up. I'm going to pull up both of these. These are, these are classics. <laughs> this is so good. And again, it goes to there. So again, we're not talking about uh, Paul Pelosi's tragedy of being attacked and having uh, you know brain injury from from a hammer. That's not what we're talking about. But we're talking about the, our our society in general, the cover up, the problems, the uh, all the things that are that are happening now that allow the rich and powerful to escape what the rest of us would have to go through, which would be you know media scrutiny, judicial proceedings, uh, law enforcement, jail terms, the whole bit. So here's one, and it says, and this is this is on Twitter, my account, so Action Radio GP or you can go to Laura Logan, and one says, Paul Pelosi, who's notorious for going to gay bars alone in the, quote, gayest town in America, San Francisco. Well, I question New York might be, but that's, they said San Francisco. So anyway, I used to live there, you know, and around, in San Francisco and around the Bay Area. Fascinating place up until five, ten years ago when it totally just lost it. Anyway, gayest town in America, San Francisco, was always spotted by neighbors bringing in men half his age at various hours of the night. Well, no, isn't that interesting? Okay. So are the neighbors going to go on record? No, because the Justice Department will arrest them. They can't say anything. But rumors are out there and word gets out and you know, gets to people who can report this, right? So then it says David Wayne DePape, D-E-P-A-P-E, was seen, and that's the person who you know, allegedly assaulted and uh, um, brain injured uh, Paul Pelosi. Anyway, so David, and I usually don't mention felons' names. Like you'll never, never hear me mention the name of a school assassin or a mass public shooter assassin because they're doing it for the fame. I don't know what this guy's doing it for, but it does, it does matter because we need to analyze who he is so we know who Paul Pelosi is, so we know who Nancy Pelosi is because she's third in line for the presidency behind the uh, allegedly illegal alien Kamala Harris, whose parents were um, on expired student visas when they were in the country, meaning that she was not a citizen. That's another story. David Wayne DePape, back to our meme here, was seen entering Pelosi's mansion various different times before yesterday's altercation. Why won't mainstream media cover this vital fact? Well, we're covering it on Action Radio. They, aren't, uh, they are making it seem like it was a random act. It wasn't. And here's the line that really makes sense to me. This was a domestic violence case and a consensual sexual relationship. So the obvious question that media should be asking uh, Nancy Pelosi is, you know, is your husband Paul gay? Why not? Why does that matter? Well, because the, the, how else would you be in a, a gay consensual relationship? So that matters, all right? And it matters who she is. And, uh, you know, it goes to her honesty and credibility. Why would you be married to a gay person? I mean, wouldn't you want them to lead their own life, you know, happily, successfully as a gay person? They can't be a gay person and, and be with other gay people if they're married. You know, that's, you know, so all this stuff kind of ties in. So it goes to character, but then it goes to legality. So, so then now we're looking at fi- filing a false police report. Okay. We're looking at uh, false allegations. We're looking at a corrupt media. It's not a crime for the media to lie. Um, and you, you can't make it that way because, you know, all, you know, the Justice Department would have to do is tell all the conservative sites, you guys are lying and I'll be arrested. And there goes your free press, right? But it is interesting. So there are legal things. How about the San Francisco police? How much are they duty bound to report accurately what's in their police reports? Or can they fudge those, you know, for the rich and powerful? That to me should be a crime. It probably is. I just don't know law that well, which is why I'm going to ask Jonathan about it uh, when he comes on uh, in the next hour. 
Here's another meme. It says, so if we're to believe the media, a rainbow flag-waving nudist prostitute got up at 2 a.m. Friday morning, decided to create two random websites with hundreds of posts about QAnon and Big Brother in the dead of night, then stripped down to his underwear, grabbed a hammer, and jogged all the way to Nancy Pelosi's house, and miraculously breached two layers of maximum-level Secret Service security designed to protect the third most powerful person in the world with nothing but a hammer and some tidy whities <laughs> And finally shouted, where's Nancy? Before smacking Paul in the head with a hammer in front of the cops without being absolutely riddled with bullets. This guy is basically effing Jason Bourne, apparently. Well, except the tweet is the real word. Okay, but I'm not going to say it on the air. Uh, and then it says he could breach two layers of federal security in an assassination attempt, but didn't bother to check if Nancy was even in the country. Yeah, and then it says, LOL. <laughs> okay, sure. Oh, yeah, I believe that. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. Okay. So, so that's uh, – I'm going to save that. We're going we're, we're to talk about that one again. That one is hysterical. So that's where we stand. All right? So, again, we live in a world of, of dual justice. We live in a world where certain people get privilege and other people don't. And they talk about white privilege. This is rich privilege. This is power privilege. This is Democrat privilege. Uh, I don't think, in fact, their white has anything to do with it. I think if, if uh, the Speaker of the House were, were a black woman who was a liberal Democrat, there'd be exactly the same privilege that Nancy Pelosi is getting because they're liberal, not because they're black or because they're white. So the, the, the race thing, it really it doesn't you know, make sense anymore uh, for anybody that looks at it. Because first of all, this is not a racist country. Right? It hasn't been a racist country uh, since the Democrat Party uh, had segregation ended, you know, uh, Brown versus Board of Education. So Democrats were forced to end segregation in the South. The Democrats lost the Civil War uh, because the Confederacy was Democrat. The Democrats were forced to give up slavery. So the Democrats have always been the party of power and absolute tyrannical control. So you look at 17, 1800s Democrats were slave, slave owners and slave policy people and slave politicians. Okay? So you look at segregation, once again, slave almost, uh, or segregation uh, power players. And so you look at today, now Democrats are Marxists. They're using Marxism the same way they use slavery you know, back a couple of hundred years ago. So nothing's really changed with the Democrats. Why anybody would vote for them? You know, it's almost like you can't be a Democrat and be an American because the two are, are diametrically opposed. If you're a Democrat, you believe in slavery. You believe in Marxism. You believe in absolute tyrannical control. You believe in censoring people, stifling free speech, killing people that you disagree with, and that's okay, or committing violence against them. You believe in inspiring your minions to attack, you know, Steve Scalise with, uh, with what they are calling an assault weapon. Okay, uh, attack, um, what's his name? Uh, who's running for uh, um, governorship in, in New York? Uh, you got Hochul and, and uh, oh, I forgot his name. I'm terrible at names. I really am. You know, he was attacked by a knife-wielding or sharp object-wielding widow. Um, you've got the, the, the man that was killed, 18-year-old man, who was killed up in Wyoming with, with a pickup truck by a, by a Democrat. You've got uh, the, the two Democrats that uh, really beat up badly, causing reconstructive face surgery for an 18-year-old volunteer. Well, he's not 18. No, the other one was 18. But a volunteer of the Marco Rubio uh, and DeSantis campaigns saying, this is, you know, no Republicans allowed. So this, it's open violence and always has been. Uh, against Republicans by the left. That's what they do. Look at all the campus speakers that are shut down, stuff thrown at them, all kinds of violent yelling, screaming, you know, behavior like that. Free speech is not allowed on the left. You cannot disagree with the left. You cannot have a different opinion than the left. Thank God Elon Musk bought Twitter because now we can get out and do things. I mean, I'm having a great time on Twitter. 
you know, posting things like rhinos or transgender Democrats and all the other stuff I do. So let's get to uh, let's get to the articles here. And actually, I've, I've moved my, my screen. Let me put my production screen back up. Anybody's calling me. In fact, uh, Pianchi's. I must have a sixth sense for the Pianchi's calling me. So let me let me take his call, and then we'll get on some of these articles about uh, you know Paul Pelosi and the 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 keeper, you know, uh, the, the 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 hammer raid. Anyway, um, Pianchi, good morning. That's not the way that happened. How did it happen? This is what went down with Paul Pelosi. Paul Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck, Chuck. Paul, you know what Chuck me, right? No, I don't. I mean, it's like, you know, as in throwing something? It's uh, when a spouse watch the other spouse have sex with another person. Oh, cuckold. Oh, that's, that's cuckolding. Cuckold. I saw that in a, in a film now, with uh, Steve Carell. Yeah, new words. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this guy comes over, drunk, and uh, he's laying there with, with uh, Paul. Mm-hmm. And Paul don't lost all ability to do what he would do if he was a virile man. Then the guy comes through and sees Paul fumbling around with him and he wants to get the hell up, which he does. And then he wants to leave. Well, Paul don't want to leave. Paul don't have a gun, so they have a hammer. All right, so the guy goes downstairs, can't get out the door because they got electronic locks on the door. Mm-hmm. And he put the locks on the door to keep the servants from coming in. Then the guy snatched the hammer from Paul. Paul trying to keep him in there, smacks him upside the head, then takes the hammer and try to break the glass out. That's why the glass is laying on the outside of the door to get the hell out of there. See, I heard the police knocked the glass out as part of a scenario to prove to show that it was a break-in. That's what I have in one of my articles. Okay. No glass break on the. When you break glass breaking in or breaking out, the glass is on the opposite side of where the person is trying to. The person in is trying to gain interest. That's true. So, see, dig this back to the police line in order to try to cover up Nancy Uh Pelosi. All right. This man did not walk down the street in his damn drawers. <laughs> and also, also, he wouldn't uh-huh. have been walking on her grounds because after those protests that was camped out on the lawn, they have installed all sorts of security measures, including seismic detectors. So the alarm would have went off if he come walking up there. So no, this was one of those deals. Now I don't, I didn't go by uh, um, Nancy Pelosi's house. I was a tour guide. I used to drive all around San Francisco, Uh, but I remember Nancy Pelosi's house. I've been by there several times. It's in a gated community. Obviously, there's a 24-hour police car standing outside the gate, sitting in a car. Uh, Her place. I mean, everybody knows what her place is, but it's incredibly well guarded. The whole thing has cameras everywhere. I'm sure Nancy Pelosi's place has cameras everywhere, and they probably had them for a long time, ever since they had cameras. You know, I'm sure she's got closed circuit TV with her bodyguards that are watching that house 24/7. I mean, this is—we're talking the speaker yeah, of the house, third right. in they line to the president. Servants. Yeah, they got servants that can probably come and go, and he had the doors locked with the electronic locking system, so the, nobody could come in while he and his lover was doing what they was going to do. Yeah, isn't this fascinating? So that's so something that happened. Let me give you another scenario. Okay, with Rubio. This guy 
this Hispanic guy was canvassing. Right. And he walks up on these two people mm-hmm. who say he can't come down the street. Yep. Now, this is pretty much accurate. They say he can't come down because he's a Republican. Well, he tries to – now, listen at this. He tries to step out into the side into the street off the sidewalk to go mm-hmm. around. What did that sound like to you? That sounds like the South. Oh, it okay. sounds like blacks who had to get off the sidewalk for white women in the South. Oh, interesting. Then okay. he gets beat up. He right. gets beat up. And the one guy puts his feet on his neck. What that sound like to you? Um, George Floyd? Yeah. Yes, yes. They beat the man, kicked him, and then one guy goes to the car and get his German Shepherd, his dogs, and come back and says, sick him, sick him. What does that sound like to you? Yeah, Bull Connor. I think we talked about this before on Bull Friday. Bull Connor in the South. Absolutely. Yeah. You got yeah. Democrats, the Democrats that was doing that, those Democrats that was doing it now, the mm-hmm. Democrats still exist, that hateful, racist mess. Well, they're they're leftist supremacists. You know, you've got a a black man and a Hispanic man. Not that that matters. You wouldn't want to. The the left isn't going to blame you know white supremacy on leftists who attack a, a conservative. But this to me this is a hate crime. At least for one of them, if you go by the whole race theory, which I don't. Uh, this is a hate crime. This is a leftist hate crime. Uh, and so this is fascinating. So I talked about that just a little bit earlier. You might have missed it right at the beginning. I was talking about, and I don't know the name of this man, but he, I know I saw a picture of him on the news. He's going to have reconstructive face surgery. There was the 18-year-old uh, yeah, man that was killed. Remember the blonde-haired guy that was killed up in, uh, uh, up in Wyoming by the, the leftist who ran him over with a truck for being a Republican or being conservative? This is, this is well, what happens when the left unleashes the violence. This is the, the, the oh, Democrat. Oh, but you're not supposed to oh. pay attention to that. It's only Lori's on the line when too. Hi, Lori. It is the yes, yeah. lucid libertarian. Hey, Pianchi. <laughs> hey, Lori. No, the, the only time you're supposed to pay attention is is if it's a domestic terrorist, mega extreme Republican. That's the only time you're supposed to pay attention. If the left does it, then. Don't pay attention. Yeah, let me um, <laughs> let, let me let me have a couple matter. articles because I want to I want to get to some of the specifics of what's being reported about this because we all know the arguments. We all know this is the left being the, the left. Police is covering the, up. Well, the of course they are. But that's, up. Now, that's interesting. The police. So the police are owned by the left, which is rather interesting. This is from the International Business Times. I believe this is an Asian publication. It's in our new international news page uh, on Action Radio on Facebook. It says, "Are David DePape and Paul Pelosi lovers?" And this is from Asia, right? Speculations after social media yeah, users. Lovers, done. plural. Uh, this is wait a not a this first is time thing, you guys. He, exactly. Whenever the wife's away, Paul Pelosi has his day. What do you know about that? <laughs> do, do you have stories? Do you know about that? Do you know more about that you can add? There's, there, there are reports out there that Paul Pelosi has frequented many gay um Many gay uh, entertainers. Bars? Oh, entertainers. Okay. Um, see, well, yes. Yeah, you, know, you notice he doesn't go to the gay bars because he's a public figure. And, of course, that could be recorded. You know, we could have conservative journalists go, oh, look, yeah, so here's a hypocrite. <laughs> you know, um, so which, which stays, you know, if, if uh, Nancy Pelosi can't even, uh, you know, uh, maintain a marriage, honestly, you know, how, can she, how can she be Speaker of the House? That's an interesting question. Go ahead, uh, Pianchi. Yeah, I was not. That's why I'm so much. She set this up. 
See this. That's why so that's why so much gay legislation has been going through Congress. Because because they probably they probably blackmailed her. Well, we gonna we got pictures. Well, it's out you now. <laughs> Speaking of coming out, <laughs> we can be out of the closet. They're out of the bedroom. They're out of the whole house. <laughs> yeah. I've been married for so long, and now I'm finally coming out. But, no, I want to see the home security footage. And yep. Nancy Pelosi's daughter, if I understand correctly, mm-hmm. she does documentaries and stuff. Yep. I I would almost bet 500 bucks that her daughter is busily – editing all the home footage security cameras <laughs> before they are asked to turn them over to the law enforcement agencies investigating this case. Well, here's the question. Why That's she impeding the investigation of a crime. Yeah, but he didn't become gay overnight. This is not something that just happened. You don't, it doesn't happen that way. I believe it's a, you know, a lot of it's genetic. You know, or oh, yeah. I mean, they know but, it from so, the beginning. Exactly. I mean, in fact, I talked to a gay guy when I was working at a company and we were having a really fascinating chat. It's like, you know, when did you discover guys, you know, puberty? And I said, well, that's when I discovered women. Isn't that interesting? So, I mean, that's, so that made, that made perfect sense to me, right? So we had to, oh, we're going to travel. back into yeah. the cover up uh-huh. here. All right. Back to the cover up. Why didn't she divorce him? Head with a hammer. Right. What is that? That's assault with a deadly weapon. Yep. And the prosecutor is supposed to prosecute because this guy just committed a crime, not against Paul. He committed a crime against the state of California. Okay. Let's see if he gets prosecuted. And if he don't, then we know uh, the prosecutor is in on it also the same way it was with Will Smith. Will Smith was supposed to have been prosecuted. You didn't need right. no police report. It was on the damn It was on TV. He, <laughs> he committed a crime. When he went up and slapped Chris Rock, that's assault. Yep. yep, sure is. You know, it's interesting that if they sabotage the evidence, that's destruction of evidence. That's a crime too. If if they uh, edit the oh, tapes, yeah. the security tapes. But so, if yeah. somebody's savvy enough, uh-huh. and if you have police departments that are incompetent, that aren't tech savvy, mm. they're not going to notice if video footage has been edited. You no, need but to the people have, in San Francisco. San Francisco you know, is the head of high tech. Techno people that analyze yeah. the video to determine. I mean, this is going to be a case that, honestly, it's going to be just this. The truth will eventually come out, and I truly believe that they are actively uh, trying to thwart that evidence as we speak. Be you know and. The police well, they don't department want this going to trial. and the FBI is giving them enough time to be uh-huh. able to do so before they request the video evidence of all the security cameras. I mm-hmm. mean, come on. The mansion that she owns, there's got to be at least a dozen security cameras around that house. Oh, hell, it's has like a museum in that house. Everything that transpired. Mm-hmm. Even a well, teddy bear camera. The refrigerator costs you know, the Pelosi is some pedo. He probably has a, has a teddy bear camera. You know, <laughs> so he can record and enjoy his exploits later. Um, and that, that would be a you know, oh, uh, Have a lover's that, camera. That means he has bad. more. Yeah. It's just like Hunter Biden's laptop. He has more. He didn't. That's not just no one thing. This is not the the, yep. the Virgin Voyage. This is this has been going on for 
sometimes with that old guy. But the, the key thing there, why did he wake up asking where is Nancy? It's because Nancy know all about this. He, She probably set it up. I bet this guy is illegal, and he's here in the country, and he's trying to get his papers, and Nancy's going to help him. Well, he's from Canada. And so she said, well, you've got to do this for my husband. Exactly. He was, yeah, he was illegal from yeah. Canada. Yeah. And, you know, terrorists have come through Canada instead of Mexico. Uh, sure. It's happened. <laughs> well, know? it's easier. It, you know, everybody's uh, well, here's, the, let me, but here's what I find so fascinating about this article. International Business Times. This is Potterwinder Sandhu, so I guess it's from India. You know, and why is this already making Indian news? Why is this in the International Business Times? I'll show you the first little bit. The speculations about David DePape, the suspect accused of attacking Paul Pelosi, the husband of U.S. House Speaker Nancy, Pel- Nancy Pelosi, being known to his victim, have gone viral on social media. A video showing the broken window at Pelosi's home has also emerged on social media. So all this stuff's out there. Why did this get out there so fast? Why is this such a worldwide intrigue? Is it the hypocrisy of their marriage? Is it the standard of our justice? Is it the fact that it's Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, who is in line to be president should something happen to uh, – you know, Brandon or, 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 you know, Kamala. This is fascinating. This is worldwide news. This is why it's worth talking about. It's Kamala. Kamala. Well, let me, let me give you something that I found. You're right. This is coming Uh to light. And this is an October surprise. Um, And now we need to talk about getting rid of the police. And the Democrats are already voting. They've already sent in their mail-in vote. So none of this is going to matter to them. You know, this is political well, this is so bad. I was watching Dick Morris the other night. He's talking about the Republicans are being stupid for trying to vote on Election Day because too much can happen. Democrats vote early. And so this is, this is a really interesting thing that the Democrats have already voted, so they can release stuff like this after most of the Democrats have voted early. So we now have two elections. We have the early voting Democrats, and we have the day voting Republicans. It's quite different. Let me give you um, something that, t- that totally shocked me. This is the New York Post. This is from May 31st, 2022. Emily Crane. Nancy Pelosi's husband killed his older brother in 1957 in a sports car crash. Did you guys know that? Listen I to this. I did see well, something about that. It. I didn't look totally into it, but All right, I believe it. Well, I'll tell you, here's why. I, was, I, think, I think this goes to his entire life story. I think he'd recover from something like that. I think that uh, he's had numerous car accidents and he's been an alcoholic his whole life. I'm wondering why they got married in the first place. But that's another story. Hypocrisy. Why did she just divorce him years ago? That's another question. You know, this is Nancy Pelosi's husband, his older brother, when he flipped a sports car in California 55 years before he was arrested over the weekend and charged with driving. This is regarding the Napa incident a few months ago. This is Paul Pelosi, 16, when he crashed his car near San Mateo in the early hours of February 22, 1957. That's from the Daily Mail. He was a local news reporter at the time. Uh, he says his brother David Pelosi, 19, was strangled by a neck braid he had been wearing due to a previous neck fracture, probably driving with a player. <laughs> you breaking this up again, This is the Texas Guard Examiner. What's that? You're breaking up again. You're wobbling. You're, what, what's wrong with your microphone? Uh, well, I'm just speaking fast. It's, it's blog talk. I mean, I, haven't, I don't change my settings. It just, just back up a little bit here. So how much did you miss? Well, you was you was losing every third word. Right, let me start. Maybe yeah, just I was wondering speaking. if it was me. I actually turned my Bluetooth off and back on again because I thought it was on my end. But let me read it. Not. Let me read slower then and see if it works better. Maybe it can't keep up with a rapid speed. Nancy Pelosi's husband killed uh, his older brother. Copy. 
when he sports California. Um, there's, uh, let me back up but now. I'm backing away from my microphone a bit. Is that better? Talk, and then we'll see, because you were still okay. choppy. All right. Anyway, like, Paul Pelosi. All right. So the brother, let me get this last part. His brother, David Pelosi, was 19 when he was likely strangled by a neck brace he had been wearing to a previous neck fracture. Paul, who suffered a broken collarbone in the wreck, called for help after breaking free from his car. Highway patrolman Thomas Gant told the at the time that Paul said his old brother had urged him to slow down in the months before the crash. So this guy's uh, this is a train wreck from the, from the beginning. Oh, you don't know what that man is? Um, Hunter Biden? What did that remind you of? I, I was thinking Hunter Biden. It's the first one that comes to mind. Nope, 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 nope. Who? S. Chappaquiddick. Oh, isn't that interesting? With the Kennedy. Another Democrat. Chappaquiddick, <laughs> when he was out with this girl drunk, driving the car overturned, it's water. He gets out the car, lead a woman in there, and she drowns or something of that. Chapa quit it. Mary Joe Peckney. Yep, yep, yep. Exactly. Here's another one. This is from the Daily Mail. This is from uh, from Britain. Nudist lover of Paul Pelosi attacker is female pedophile who harassed boy 14 and bought sex dolls for their sons to use. So, so David Tapes. Ex-lover is also a nudist, you know, and a pedophile is a female pedophile. So there's nothing good here. There's no good character here. And all this stuff comes out now. It's says, Oxane Gypsy Taub, the former lover of Paul Pelosi attacker David DePape, was convicted in 2021 for child abuse after stalking and harassing a 14-year-old boy. There's no, there's no good characters here. There's nothing redeeming about these people. And the question is, why didn't Nancy Pelosi just divorce this Greg, I'm on? sorry, but you're still choppy. Pianchi, is he still choppy to you? Yeah, he's still choppy. He divorced him because he's in for that stuff, too. I've got pictures. You've seen these pictures of uh, Pelosi and Bar- uh, Obama at events and how she's looking at him all googly-eyed and everything? Uh-oh. I-, I think I know where you're going with this. Go ahead. Uh-oh. What? Well, people have said, talked about Obama in the 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 bathhouse and all those, the gay bathhouses. You know what? There's something to this, and sooner or later, it usually rises to the top. Yeah, jo- uh, Josie's big on that. She thinks that uh, Michelle Obama is actually a guy. She said that a bunch of times. And that uh, Obama's gay. Now, the, the, I don't know about Michelle Obama, but uh, I've seen the reports and the pictures and, uh, you know, the, the youthful Obama is seen with a bunch of guys, and uh, that's the rumor. Now, I can't confirm it, you know, I don't, I don't know, but it's just interesting that, that it's interesting that the Democrats Yeah, nobody do the things, knows, really, because, yeah, you know, we can't just walk up and take a camera and look up under Michelle Obama's skirt to see what she's got under there, yeah, so we don't that know. That should be an issue. It wouldn't be an issue if they weren't going after conservatives in America so much. If they live, live you know, conservatives don't care who's gay. And we, we don't care who's, you know, whatever race or ethnic group or sexual persuasion for the most part. Uh, don't care. You know, we tolerate it and the Christian evangelicals want these folks forgiven and, you know, back into the, 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 the regular fold here. But it's, it's a very different thing because these people try to victimize everybody else. You look at, it's like all the scandals that are for Republicans before an election. You know, they accuse people of what they're doing. So if the Democrats weren't accusing Republicans falsely, 
wouldn't have this problem of people accusing them of doing it themselves. Am I still breaking it? Yeah, you are breaking up, just like you were Friday. <sighs> yeah, you're still breaking up a little bit, but we're still following you. But here's here's a little caveat that, um, not to totally break from what you're talking about, but uh-huh. with Paul Pelosi, now remember he got his most recent DUI, what was that, last May, he pled guilty to it, I believe, in August. And part of his sentence is to be on probation for, I believe, three years. Could be two. Correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. He's on probation. And so I want to see the drug test results <laughs> on both this Dave guy that is the suspect. And you know that since Paul Pelosi had to go in for surgery, he would have a drug test done. Because if he's on drugs like opiates or something like that, that affects anesthesia, whatever. So it would be standard practice to do a drug test. And if he is positive for drugs, then he is in violation of his probation. Just want to throw that out there. And that's another reason to cover it up. Because if he's in violation of his probation, then... um, yeah, that uh, I'm Nancy Pelosi's husband privilege might not hold a lot of water. Well, if he's suspected of, of being with uh, gay prostitutes in particular, would they give him an HIV test? They might. Yeah, because you do, the hospital workers got to be protected. No, I think casual contact. Especially during surgery where they're opening up a skull and like, draining fluid and blood and crap like that to repair his head, you know, uh, that's a legitimate concern. So they would do a drug test. They would do a panel on it. That would be standard operating procedure. Um, But he's he's private citizen, so it's not like they can uh, demand, we can't demand his medical records, although I would be curious. Oh, they, it 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 escapes. It escapes. It'll get out like it does every other damn thing. Somebody would they know what you say. But as far as the investigation goes, it is legitimate. Your prayers you say at night is your prayers you say at night get escaped to the public. Hmm. So this is then then with the police with the police and the prosecutor trying to cover this up, then why come they not being gotten rid of? Why come they not being reformed? Well, are they George Soros funded? I mean, you know, how far does this go? It's fascinating to me. Well, here's a question for you, too. The, you know, if you want to control somebody, the easiest way to do it is to blackmail them. It's like I'm sure the Chinese have blackmailed the entire Biden family like they blackmailed Eric Swoyle. They blackmailed Diane Einstein, who had the Chinese driver who's a spy. You know, all these folks get co-opted. They take the most decadent people like Paul Pelosi and they use them. You can use him for blackmail. That was always the, 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 the danger with Obama. The, if he had a really sorted past that could blackmail, you know, the thing with Trump is you can't blackmail him. He's, you know, basically a choir boy. He doesn't drink. You know, he's been, he's been married a few times, but so what? Lots of people have. You know, it's not like he's having wild affairs everywhere that we know of. But it's just, it's fascinating, the, the, the standards that conservatives generally lead pretty straight, you know, conservative lives. But the, the Democrats, the left, they're really into this crazy stuff. Now, here's another connection, too. I mean, I just saw this now. Is there a connection between the Pelosi's and uh, Jeffrey Epstein that anybody here knows about? 
Well, yeah. This does have a Epstein, Gristleen, Maxwell kind of signature to it, doesn't it? Well, that's what I'm wondering. You know, I'm just asking the question. His name is on Epstein's list. His name is on Epstein's list. He's been to the island. Yes, he has. I bet you any money. Okay, yeah. See, this is why I need that list. It'd be fascinating. Here we go. Um, Here's another one. This is from the Santa Monica Observer. Uh, This is from October 29th. So this is just a couple of days ago. The awful truth, Paul Pelosi was drunk again and in a dispute with a male prostitute early Friday morning. Paul Pelosi stated that he doesn't know who the male is, but he advised that his name is David and that he's a friend. Yeah, right. This is from the article. It says, as SF gay bars closed at 2 a.m., two gay men met at a bar and went home together. Happens every night in the city by the bay, except one of these two men was married to House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. This is right from the article. It says, I might disappear for telling you the truth. If I do, you'll all know why. But here's what really happened early Friday morning in San Francisco. I am H.O., in other words, in my humble opinion. According to SFPD, RP, that's reporting person, that was Paul Pelosi, stated that there's a male in the home and that's going to wait for his wife. RP stated that he doesn't know who the male is, but he advised that his name is David (laughs) and that he is a friend. The dispatch officer said RP sounded somewhat confused. It's been a rumor for years in San Francisco that Paul Pelosi is gay. David DePape, or DePap, is said to be a Castro nudist. The lunatic who allegedly assaulted Paul Pelosi is a Berkeley resident and a former Castro nudist protester and, it says here, a hemp jewelry maker. Sounds totally MAGA Republican to me. <laughs> I love this stuff. No, oh, yeah. I mean, no, no, have no, you no. actually listened to the 911 footage that nope. they released? Not yet. Oh, I have. You know what kind of... And yeah, like you know the what kind of is confused. It's like, oh, yeah, it's a stranger, you know, breaking into my house. I don't know him, but his name is Dave, and he's a friend. You know, like, <laughs> the dispatcher is even like, what? <laughs> How do you know his name, and he's a friend, if he's a stranger breaking into your house? This makes no sense. And well, now see, the, the, the left is trying to spin it as friend is like a code word oh. or like, you know, like freedom, something extremist mm, group. It's like a code no, word. No, that's not going to work. Yeah, like that's Here's how the they're thing. trying to spin this. Jackie? Here's the thing with that. If he calls the, the police and the dispatcher and say somebody's broken into my house, then how the hell is the police saying we had to break the glass to get into the house? Mm-hmm. No, but All they were let in by an anonymous, we don't know third person. The police came yeah, to but the, the front police door said they had and to a break third the glass. unknown person opened up the damn door to let the police in. And if that was a security person, that security person would not have been available to open up the door for the police because they would be busy trying to, like, break up this allocation between these two people with hammers. So at first, both people had hammers, and now the story is only this David guy had a hammer. So which is it? Um, And so it's the third person that opened the door for the cops is there. Um, If that was a security person, then they would be trying to stop that allocation. They would not be free to just open up the door for the cops. Those electronic doors, and you can activate them on your telephone. Paul had a phone. 
he wouldn't let the man out. That's why the man took the hammer and tried to bust his way out after asking, where is Nancy? Nancy had something to do with it. Do you really have think that drunk-ass Paul Pelosi that's on drugs and drinking would be able to call 911 and then flip over on his phone, access his security system, unflip that stuff, and also be trying to defend himself against this dude that's trying to attack him with no, a hammer? No, he did not. He didn't want the guy to get out. <laughs> so he so. did not. He didn't want the guy to get out. That's why cause he didn't unset the locks on the doors. He set the locks on the doors so so that staff couldn't come in and check on. This stuff was all inside. He was inside with Paul. He those didn't break lo- in. Those doors were already locked. Yeah. You know, he didn't want any interruptions long before this allocation happened. He didn't want them. And I don't think if that he wanted Paul the police Pelosi to come in, he could have with he all the, like, disarm just the front door to let the cops in or anything. I mean, if you know, he wanted the police to come in, he could have, he could have, oh, I know these security systems. <clears throat> they got those uh, buzz-in type doors on the front all over the damn house. I have I just a security system, and if I'm going to go in and I'm going to bypass a specific alarm, a specific door, I have to go through, like, three or four levels of shit to do that. <laughs> you know, like, to just, you know, ignore you one me. sensor to let somebody yeah, in. Know. And if Paul is actively being attacked, there is no way he's going to be on the phone with 911 and actively going through all the menus on his phone app to disarm just that he one He did that thing. before he came. He did that before he came down the steps. You got to look, look at the They got magnetic. They got electronic doors, uh, Laurie. They don't have these 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 cheap ADT alarms, they got the expensive stuff. And that's what he done. When the man left the bedroom, he, the doors was already locked. He didn't have to open the door. They were locked. He didn't want this guy to get out. That's why the guy took the hammer and busted out the, the bottom uh, panel, which was glass, of his door to get out. So that means that the police is lying. If the police said that they had to bust the glass to get in, and that's why some people are asking, well, if you bust this glass to get in, why is the glass on the outside of the door? So now exactly. you got the case. The exactly. Prosecutor, the police is lying. The prosecutor is going to yeah, be lying. Yeah, yeah, I'm now, totally not arguing again. with you on this. I'm just, I'm just arguing about, like, the whole case they're trying to make. And you're bringing up everything that I'm seeing, too, which is, like, why is the glass on the outside of the door? That is, like, Crime Investigation 101, it, the story doesn't fly that this guy was breaking in. It was this guy trying to break out. Um, oh, that's yeah, interesting. You know, like we're on the same page. Yeah, totally. Now, here we go with the police. That police need to be gotten rid of. That police department and the prosecutor. This is the second time that the prosecutor is not going to file. Let's see if the prosecutor filed any charges. Let's see. I bet you they don't. No, oh, hell no. The prosecutor so probably voted for Pelosi. <laughs> You're seeing now how deep the corruption goes with Nancy Pelosi and the law officials there in San Francisco. 
Oh, yeah. She I, owns it. I just find it fascinating how the Democrats can be so decadent, so debauched, you know, so, uh, you know, crazy in this way. And yet they accuse Republicans of doing the same thing, which is which is kind of meaningless and stupid. Um, I'm looking for something here. There was an, actually a, a record or the, some of the actually sort of went, talked about how the conversation went. And it makes sense, you know, that, that uh, the paper would say, where's Nancy? Because he doesn't want Nancy there when they're doing what they're doing. And so I'm looking for that right now. I forgot where it was. I have a bunch of sources here. But this is this is this is projection. This is Republican. This is Democrats, you know, trying to blame Republicans somehow. And this is the funniest part about it. They're trying to say, well, this is really a, a Trump thing. This is be, this is, you know, right wing extremism. This is, you know, and it's not working. <laughs> it's just simply not working. Oh, there's a lady that had the a show on BTR. I called him a MAGA. There's a lady that had a show Sorry, on last yeah. night that called this guy a MAGA. Yeah, right. They always say that. Ain't true. Not even close. Which is also kind of funny. All right, I'm trying to find one thing here. I guess it's somewhere else. But uh, I'll, I'll get to it. But I've got like a bunch of articles on this. The point is, this is worldwide news. It's all over the place, and it's just nuts. Oh, here's one here. This is, uh, this is Kurt Schlichter, October 31st. So this was this is today, <laughs> Town Hall. Uh, and the title of this one is uh, "Everyone is Laughing at the Ridiculous Pelosi Big Lie." So now this is this is why this is how fast this stuff spreads now. So conservatives, at least to the point, we don't have to wait six weeks for a story to come out. It's it's out within hours that uh, this is all a bunch of nonsense. It says, "How do you reject? How, yeah, how dare you reject?" Yeah, one of the benefits of technology. Yeah. It says, how, do you, how dare you, this is Kurt Schlichter talking, how dare you reject the official approved narrative parroted by the regime media about the weird shift that went down at Casa de Pelosi the other night. There's only one possible explanation. According to experts, licensed journalists <laughs> and our betters, an underwear-clad mega assassin from a hippie commune in Berkeley who is best known for his nudist activism broke into the oddly unguarded mansion of the Speaker of the House, a wealthy woman, <laughs> A wealthy woman who has her police force and has not been shy about expounding on the perilous peril she faces from murderous insurrection, carrying a hammer and encountered the wide awake Paul Pelosi, also in his skivvies, who the intruder then let go uh, to call the cops, wherein Mr. Pelosi referred to the guy as his friend. Yeah, that's hysterical. It is. I mean, it's. Dad, like I will say, like okay, he was injured. He actually had to go for surgery to yeah, help I about that fix too his brain damage. Yep. Um, you know, like you know, we can't lose sight of that and be heartless for the fact that he was literally injured in his head and had to have surgery on his freaking head. Uh, but the way the left is spinning this to blame Trump and blame somehow conservative for this, mm-hmm. uh, it is so made political. And it's a heyday for Nancy. She is really probably not going to be hanging on to her seat. She needs to resign. She needs she need to, to be totally made to resign. resign. And um, here's another thing. Under normal circumstances, no gay person, especially in that area, is going to be supportive of Donald Trump and his policies are matter. So that there is another trying to be cover up that the well, left does when they are. Now, panicking. wait a minute. 
this, this, you know, I mean, uh, I mean, a gay liberal person wouldn't like Trump, but why would, why would not a gay conservative person like Trump? There's nothing that Trump did that was openly uh, prosecuting any group or religion or, or racial exactly. or, or nationality. He never did anything like that. Now, that was always projected that he did. You know what he does? Said about all when he forbids, he forbids the toilets in the schools. That's what they don't like. When when they're yeah, taking the ability of parents Trump not to have these putting litter boxes in bathrooms and schools to accommodate the kids that identify themselves as furries, so that they have a litter box to pee and poop in instead of a toilet. Um, if if Trump goes against that, then oh my God, the left will explode their heads. Uh, but yet, it's like. Come on now, you're really expecting like this is a real thing. It's a real thing. There are schools that have kids that identify as a furry, as a cat or as a cat, and are (laughs) demanding a litter box in their bathrooms. Here in Oregon, here in Salem, Oregon, literally Uh my neighbor was telling me this, who has a high school-aged daughter telling him that, yeah, the school is going to put litter boxes in because there are students that identify as a cat. They all need and to be fired. Somehow, that, that, this is the death of civility. Trump Republicans are wrong for criticizing that insanity. Yeah. So they have all reasons to be in elementary schools and and junior highs and senior highs here in they Oregon. They have all the reasons. Fucking litter box in all, there, like what? Well, they have all the reason to be against Donald Trump because of his policies. His policies are designed to keep them away from children. They don't like that because there's that's their source of future is messing with somebody else's children. So where do you think this is going to go? Why now? Why is this coming out? What's, what's, uh, what's this going to mean for, for the country? Because this is actually a national security issue. If, the, if the, the, uh, the House of the Speaker of the House is that vulnerable, then is not Paul Pelosi actually a threat to national security, just as Hunter Biden is? Easily corruptible, easily bribable, um, you know, subject to all kinds of excesses, illegalities, lying, you know, to officials and, and just uh, and, and these kind of incidents. He's actually a threat to national security for what he knows, what Nancy tells yes, yes, he's he's a threat to national security because they have pillow talk with each other. Exactly. And also, you got you engaged in these type of activities with these scrupulous people, they may want to blackmail him. You don't know. You might have him messing with some, with some spy person who's gay that uh, comes on to him. So who's to say that one of his uh, male prostitutes, allegedly, uh, wasn't a Chinese spy, just like Feng Feng with uh, uh, Swalwell and uh, Dianne Feinstein's driver, you know, and who else was it? The Biden's assistant that said that uh, he should run for president, you know, directed by by China. So the, the Chinese infiltration is huge. I mean, they're not stupid. They're good at the spy stuff. We're not. <laughs> we I'm glad you brought that up because, yeah, China is behind all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, China have do not underestimate Chinese intelligence. 
Seriously. Bears well, everything. Everything. Yeah, gotta, Every yeah. level of government, state, local, federal agencies, you name it. The mm-hmm. Chinese are infiltrating every single aspect of American government. And people are just in denial about it. You know, it's interesting. You look at Chinese history. Uh, first of all, Sun Tzu, one of my favorite authors about the art of war. But you look at Chinese history. Their history is warlords and emperors and dynasties. And how do dynasties maintain control? They control the people. So long before the Internet, long before for, you know, all kinds of listening devices, long before cameras, long before everything, we're talking 7,000 years ago, the Chinese were controlling the population. So if you wonder why they're so good at now, I mean, they've had, what, thousand, several hundred generations of practice. You know? So this is not something that's new to them. And the yeah, Chinese really, people have been yeah, under really. dynasties and, and warlords. Even if you look at the solar wind pack of 2019, where mm-hmm. um, this vulnerability was there for a year, and it's all blamed on Russia. But China is literally, I think, the one behind it. And the reason why I say that is because Apparently, Russia mm-hmm. took advantage of the vulnerability with the solar winds Orion and did a lot of this hacking into all of these different companies. But so that was the one that was the, the, um, that was the pipeline. Behind the scenes, from... China it... did yeah. their own half. They targeted one thing and one thing only. They did this. They they knew of the vulnerability. They had to work together. Russia and China had to work together to know of this vulnerability and how to exploit it. And so while Russia was doing this and getting all the attention and blame, China hopscotched off of it at the same time under the radar, and they are the ones that hacked into our national, our, our national payroll system. And they got all of the payroll information and data off of over 600,000 federal employees. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that way they can find out who to bribe. Although all the while <laughs> Russia gets the blame, but nobody notices China doing the same thing under the radar. They work together on this. Yeah, well, I'll be the your fall guy. Yeah. You know, I'll be the picture well, on the wall. I'm going to tell you how. Let me tell you okay. how this stuff this is, is going China. on. I got, I got Jonathan here, so we're gonna we're gonna end it here pretty quickly, like real fast. Yeah, so let me right. tell you how this oh, sorry. stuff okay. is going on. Yeah, okay. like he you know, you knows what around. I'm talking about. Yeah, you can stick China, around, but you know, yeah, America, you have you got your U.S. pension fund managers that have been investing U.S. pensions, teachers unions, especially in California, firefighters, and so on, so on investing in China, in China stock. Well, that allows China business people to have working capital to go around the world and particularly come into the United States and buy up stuff. The United States has actually been funding China's encroachment into their economic world to take over things. Yeah. Very true. Um, you two, Laurie, you should come back Monday morning. So this would be a good hour for you and Pianchi to, to hash out some of the issues, uh, especially <laughs> if we have a chance to. No, well, serious. I plan to be on Wednesday morning, and I don't mean to encroach on your next guest time, but no, okay. no, um, John, I do Jonathan's plan on being on, on your show yeah. Wednesday morning. 
Okay. He talked Jonathan's about Oregon Measure years. 114, the most unconstitutional gun control legislation. So, yep. Uh, yep. Let me uh, play some. I'll be back in. Let me just put y'all on. Uh, so mute yourselves for about two minutes. I'll be right back with Jonathan. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't. Which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care. And now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Great Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is greatcare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H-Care.com. You can email them at greatcare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Great Care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. cool. I'm going to unmute uh, Jonathan's line now. Yeah, I think if I was breaking up, I might have had too many web pages open. I had a lot of articles for that first hour, so I have to be careful of that. So I've closed out some of them. Uh, so if you heard any blips during uh, my playing of my uh, my announcements there, uh, my commercials, then uh, that's probably... Anyway, you are anyway. sounding better. Okay, so th- that's what it was then. So i got to be careful. I, I try and keep the, the websites down, but you know, there's certain things I just have, and I... You know, there's a lot to keep track of during this show. All right, so that's, that was the reason then. So Friday was probably the same problem, so I'll have to be careful of that. Jonathan, um, it's time for the legal report. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? Good morning. Um, trying, to, trying to go some, through some things here. Um, by the way, just, you know, uh, opening, you know, they say start with a joke or introduction, and we, that usually ends up, de- you know, derailing the entire conversation. But, probably. Um, I may have to move, finally move down there to Florida, which I've been trying to do for a year and a half, and get some flight instruction or, or something like that. I'm thinking of you should. going into the Tampa area. Well, there's a um, book so you can, we get. can fly away when the, yeah. yeah, well, we want to be able to escape the zombies when the zombie apocalypse comes. Yeah. Um, Actually, you know, we've just, got connections. We've got connections in Belize, you know, with my friend Ellen Dawson, who's a down there. 
So we're all going to spend a week in Belize broadcasting the show. It's just a matter of time and getting rid of the mandates and me getting a couple more sponsors. <laughs> but we're, I'm, I'm all set to go. So, yeah. Because my brother's been trying to urge me to go down and live a better cost of living in Belize. Um, mm-hmm. So coincidence there. Uh, but of all the of all the pros and cons of the Walking Dead series, which is, you know, not not a perfect series, the one thing that really bugged me finally at the end is they never went to the local um, what's the local non-commercial shoot? What's the word? general aviation airport mm-hmm. and just uh, started up some, some uh, aircraft and uh, they would have been so much better off with their, their fights with other humans and things like that. If they knew how to fly an <laughs> aircraft airplane. Well, I've they found flying and, you know, and I'm a, I'm, I'm a walking dead fan. So I'm totally getting you and loving it. Uh huh. Well, well, I found that, when you watch a TV series from the, you know, sequentially, it actually makes sense. You know, you get on Netflix and you binge watch. It makes so much more sense when you actually watch them in order. So then I get hooked. Uh, that's I've awesome. done that. Thrones, yep. But that's another I story. I was watching it when it was on network and it was like agony waiting every week and then waiting several months. And then, yeah, and I have binge watched all of The Walking Dead, the original series. Walking Dead, at least twice. <laughs> but, but, then oh, the, yeah. but then at the end, I hope it's not a spoiler. You know, too much. It's an old series. They they end up with a heli- the helicopter appears. I'm like, well, why didn't they do that from the beginning? And uh, you know, they could have gone to a general aviation uh, <clears throat> airport and they might have found a copy of Greg's book. Yeah, they forgot and, that there's been none of that. It's like. You had helicopters, but now we don't see them, like, episode after episode. What's that? What am I do with you people? We have a serious show to do here. <laughs> okay. So, anyway, so wanted, you wanted to, you well, wanted to I, talk I get... uh, a couple weeks ago yeah. about states fighting uh, the open border and Ken yes. Cuccinelli. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have – you also wanted to know a little bit about the attack on – um, Paul Pelosi and I, you know, I don't want us to get in a situation where, like Alex Jones, we have a billion dollar lawsuit against us. Well, we I said allegedly you know, enough see, times. I, I think we're covered. We we pretty much covered that in the first hour. I'm curious from your perspective on the legal aspects, but maybe filing a false police report or the police covering up or aiding and abetting. And is this guy ever going to get to trial? Or are they going to keep him out of trial because they don't want him to be able to get to tell to pay, tell his side of the story? Uh, are they going to, you know, I mean, this should be a, congr- a congressional investigation, well, absolutely, you know, <clears throat> as well. And I don't think that's going to happen either because McCarthy's already surrendered to the Democrats. So the the legal well, aspect of this can, are well, that's interesting. What, that's, yeah, that's what Republicans do is they they surrender. It's like we're sorry for winning. You know, could you, uh, you know, why don't we just uh, surrender to you? So that yep. um, that's a party since for seventy years. Uh, but you know, we're so sorry to the one. We apologize. Um, the, we won't um, do it again. But um, <laughs> it won't happen again. Yeah, but the but the thing is, is that you know, first of all, it seems like so there's so much we we, we don't know, and so much of what we know that doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, the this one guy who's a doctor, he went he did that. I mean, he did like actual journalism, which we'd never see from the journalist. Wow. He he actually went and interviewed the the neighbors, mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, basically, it sounds like 
the, the incoherent, you know, the, the main story you would get out of David Pepe is incoherence, according to hmm. his neighbors. Okay. Um, like he proclaimed himself to be a BLM activist, but then he would call the cops on black people. Um, you know, so, so he really, you know, I don't know if he has a story in the sense that he, except to refute the nonsense. And the whole thing is a tragedy, but it's an even bigger tragedy when the left always, always, always tries to politicize everything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it isn't, it isn't about Paul Pelosi being injured. It isn't about this, obviously, according to his neighbors, uh, mentally ill uh, or just mentally strange family. Um, and including David. What, the Pelosi's the or, or, or the DePapes? Who are we talking about is mentally strange here? Well, they, I mean, they're not technically a family. That, well, the, the, what, the Pelosi? No, the, the DePapi and his, oh, okay. his baby mama, who apparently mm-hmm. they uh, didn't technically get married to. Uh, but, um, you know, the issue, the issue is, is knocking down the left's continual lie. You know, if, if, if it wasn't for the left wing, leftist lies about, uh, about these incidents, then mm-hmm. we wouldn't, uh, you know, we would have nothing but compassion and nothing but, you know, well-wishing to say for, for Paul Pelosi and, and this attacker who, you know, something weird was going on, but he's clearly, you know, clearly a crime and, uh, uh, put, uh, Paul Pelosi in the hospital. But, you know, the, the focus to me is the lying by the left. It's like they always lie. It's what they do. And mm-hmm. trying to trying to blame. I mean, it's no, it's, I mean, obviously, the real, the real Nazis are the left. Um, so anyway, and, and, you know, there were three assassination attempts against Donald Trump. Nobody, mm-hmm. you know, the left that doesn't condemn that. Um, there was, you know, assass- two assassination attempts against Gerald Ford. Mm-hmm. Ronald Reagan was shot. Um, there's an assassination attempt against uh, Kavanaugh and, um, and and other Supreme Court justices. There's, you know, there was oh, Zeldin. Uh, they, they shot Steve Police. Huh? What's his name? Zeldin in New York. Zeldin, I forgot his first name in New York. When the guy yeah. comes up with a sharp object, Steve Scalise was shot, like you said. And then the two people we talked about earlier with Pianchi, the uh, the, the 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 volunteer of the Marco Rubio campaign was was uh, you know oh, badly assaulted. And then the, the kid that, that was killed, and the kid that was killed in Wyoming by the by the truck from a from a Democrat, just for being Republican. Right. So and so this is. So I was at that be... here in Portland, Oregon during the summer of love, um, and Tika <laughs> literally were trying to break doors and burn alive the people that were working inside the federal courthouse in Portland. Oh wow. I didn't know it was that They bad. were breaking yep. down the barriers. They were setting up bombs outside of the front door to try to bomb their way in. And the people inside, these people working inside the federal courthouse were, like, barricading the doors and, like, this is what happened. And that is why Trump called in National Guard, the feds, to protect this federal courthouse because that's how far they went. And the media wants you to forget that. It was left right. doing that. There were right. people great... that worked for our federal government in that courthouse that deliberately, these Antifa people, 
were targeting and wanted to get into and put their Molotov cocktails in there and kill them. And people want to forget that. And Brown, our current governor that needs to go yeah. down, down, down. And no, so Lori, Tina leftists, If those were leftists, they would have, um, uh, you know, Meritless Garland would have, would have indicted them for attempted murder. If they weren't leftists. Well, you know what the new thing is now, right? So Abbott, um, yeah, go. Abbott sends a busload of what they call migrants to Chicago. They do a head count in Texas, 195. When they get to Chicago, it's 175. Mm-hmm. 20 people is lost. And I'm saying is that they jumped off the bus at a, probably a stop, called some connections here in the United States, and they came and picked it up, picked them up, and they're going to be part of a terrorist, uh, a terrorist ring here in the United States. See, that's common though. That people jump off those buses all the time, and because they have contacts, and the drivers say, "Well, I can't. We can't force people to stay on because they're they're voluntarily going well, up to that, Chicago anyway." Let me um, let me introduce beautiful. everybody just real quick here. So so Lori, uh, yeah. uh, Lori's in Oregon. She has another blog talk show. Uh, Jonathan's our our legal reporter. Pianki's our regular caller. Lori and Pianki know each other, but Lori and Jonathan, you don't. So uh, hopefully Lori's going to be joining us more. Um, these things to kind of come and. Yeah, and I, I want love to back... your legal expert. Yes, that's why I was curious well, to tune in tonight because I wanted Jonathan. to hear your perspective well, and, on things and, too legally. Yeah, Jonathan. And thanks for Pianki for that beautiful transition too. Um, to um, to the main thing that we were going to talk about a couple of weeks ago and didn't get, yep. so we should we should pick up on that. But, okay. but this is this is part of the problem, and of course, um, <clears throat> you know, like most things, it's simple but it's complicated. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the the concept is simple, the solution is simple, but Washington D.C. tries everything they can to make it complicated. To um, you know. Like I say, everyone should really watch the old BBC News conservative comedy called Yes, Prime Minister, in which it you know, shows the, the bureaucracy trying to complicate things to, to prevent the conservative leadership from getting anything done. But anyway, so you've got the, you know, the thing is they can't make them go anywhere, as you say. Why is that? And, of course, this is where... And, and, you know, it's really disgusting the extent to which, I mean, you think they're trying to do something reasonable, and yet, you know, the left-wing lawyer mafia is, you know, is trying to sue them and, every, you know, everything else for doing the things that are, that are tremendously reasonable. And that doesn't matter. They're, you know, so we've we got to think about that. Now, the, the problem we have here is that the, the U.S. Supreme Court has has interpreted that the states cannot do anything um, that imp- impinges upon immigration or immigration policy. Do you know the case on that, the, Jonathan? The current Supreme look, Court. I want to look that one up. What, what's, what's the, is it one case or several Arizona cases? Arizona versus the United States. Okay. This is oh. 2010, and the um, Arizona was trying in 2009 and 2010 to – to correct these things, they passed a bunch of state laws. They said, if you're not going to 
If Washington's not going to enforce the laws, we will mm-hmm. in various ways. <clears throat> and this, you know, and the, the left-wing liberal mafia and the, uh, I mean, the, the, yeah, lawyer mafia, and um, you know, some of which are really disgusting. You know, they're, they're, they're spawn of George Soros. Let's put it that way. Okay. And um, you know, they are anti-American, communist. Um, uh, you know, traitors to our country. Um, they, they, I mean, in the sense that they, their goal really is to tear down our country and fundamentally transform it into a uh, into a, a Soviet hellscape. Um, but um, they, uh, um, so they managed to get the Supreme Court, as it was in 2010, to agree that that the states have no authority to do anything which just like inconveniences mm-hmm. uh, federal immigration but these people are immigrants. or policy or law this in the is, slightest. Uh, we've talked about this on the show. Pianki and I have talked about this. We've gone over this many, many times. These people are not immigrants. Once they cross the border, they're criminals. They have no immigration status. Mm-hmm. They have no rights in this country because you can't have rights in a place that you're not allowed to be in. And, and so the Supreme Court, I'm going to go over this case. This is absolutely bogus. I'll probably do a show on it. Maybe we'll take it up next Monday. But well, uh, the I other remember case, that. Yeah. The other case. We had this sheriff out in, uh, what was his name, out in Arizona? Apio, I believe his name was. Yeah, Joe Arpaio. He's yeah, been on my show. That's when he was, he was doing what he was doing with illegal. I disagree with that. That state is a separate country. It's its own law. The Supreme Court has no business trying to make laws for the state. States got well, a right to protect their borders. making laws. Yeah, but we've talked about, too, the but, 14th but here, Amendment. And, but he, you know, states, uh, the, these people, the states have borders. States are independent units, as Pianchi and I talk about all the time. We, this, we call them countries for a reason. These are independent countries, you know, in a confederation. You know, it's not the United States. It's not right. the focus on the United. You've got to focus on the states, as in separate, like, city-states of old. But they have, uh, they have borders. Like, They're like, enforceable. Go ahead. But like for example, these these law, these uh, bus rides mm-hmm. and everything like that are controversial because mm, a lot of people true. want to say, well, why isn't Abbott and DeSantis busing them back to Mexico? And the answer is they can't because the Supreme Court has rules. And so everyone wants to criticize, like, well, how, what good does it do <clears throat> for DeSantis and Abbott? And Arizona did a little bit. What? Juicy, I think. Well, but, wait a minute. Um, <laughs> the Supreme Court so makes opinions. They, the Supreme Court can't rule. legally ship them across the border, so instead he ships them off to these sanctuary cities that like welcome them for 24 hours and then kick them out. That's what right, but you have well, to understand. Do, hold on, Pianchi. You have to Pianchi second, Jonathan first, then I'll get to Pianchi. Jonathan, to respond to Lori. You have to understand in thinking about what DeSantis and Abbott are doing is that every other action has been blocked. You say, well, why don't they do this? Why don't they do that? They tried for decades. And the federal courts, you know, sided with with the traitors. Um, You know, there is nothing, there is nothing, there are no options left except the ones were yeah, well, there there's a few. But in Ken Kushnali's argument, we're going to talk about some new ideas. But every other thing that every other thing that any common sense person would think of, the non-common sense Supreme Court 
has has. But they can't do that though, Jonathan. But, and you, you know, it's like Roe v. Wade was never a legitimate decision. The states can defy that anytime they want. I think the problem's with the states for not standing up for themselves. The they have state boundaries. With the states. And the Fourteenth Amendment. The states have their own yeah, Supreme Court. That's, the states have their own Supreme Court. Federal courts is is barred from. I mean, this is ridiculous. You can't let the federal. Then why in the hell do we vote local and state then? If you're gonna let the federal government come in and change things, what DeSantis should do right. is take those people back over to the custom agents there at the border. I wouldn't take them in further into the interior of the country. Then now you gotta look for well, them at some point in time. Deliver them well, back to the federal government. I, I, I mean, my point of view is you're gonna have to look for them anyway because you know they're not gonna. The, the only difference is is that they're they're sleeping on the street and starving on te- in Texas border towns. Um, but you're, you're not going to get, get anywhere else anyway. But the, let, let me set up Arizona, United States versus Arizona, and I warn you, um, you know, move your coffee away because you're going to get even madder. So the, the thing is, is that the Constitution um, makes federal law and the Constitution the supreme law of the land. That mean, but however, what what leftists uh, don't understand is that things that are not part of the, the federal government's jurisdiction are not the federal law of the land, just certain things. One of those things is that Congress has the right to legislate or the power to re- legislate on naturalization. That's been interpreted, um, one of Greg's favorite words, to include <laughs> all aspects of immigration and visitation and everything else. And which, of course, is not what it says. Um, it says uh, naturalization, meaning who gets to be a citizen. Um, and from well, the that, Constitution says uniform it, rules of naturalization. That's it. Uh, it doesn't say anything about immigrants. It doesn't say anything so that the state will make up their own definitions of citizenship. That's all they have. But the, state, the federal government has no jurisdiction, exclusive jurisdiction over, right. over immigrants. That's but, what but, it says. Yeah. But but Greg, let's let's pretend. You oh, know, right. this is Washington, so we have to play. Let's let's pretend. Yeah. Um, you know, in, in, a lawyer can can convince you that a banana is an apple, um, <laughs> or make an argument. You may not believe it, but and so um, so there's that. Then, um, so laws on immigration are the supreme law of the land in their view. The laws on immigration say kick them out. The laws on the books passed by Congress and signed by the president say, kick them out, send them back, ban them for 10 years. They are not allowed to reapply for 10 years. That's the current law. Um, And if they do it repeatedly, it's a crime and you lock them up. That's the law. But the administration, the executive branch, not the legislature, has had a policy of looking the other way and not enforcing the law. Now, that's not an immigration law. That's an, an executive, uh, that's an executive uh, branch dereliction of duty as a policy. Mm-hmm. That's not the supreme law of the land. Yeah, because the executive and, branch and yet, of the government cannot create law. Same thing with the Supreme Court. They cannot create law. Neither one of them. The president and, and, of the United re- States cannot create law, period. And the president refusing to enforce the law is not a law. 
<laughs> and yet the Supreme, no, the federal going, courts. It still goes yeah. back to the state, uh, Jonathan, because those Congress people come from states. The state legislatures need to call those Congress people and the Senate there back to the state and give them the riot act. This is what, because it takes Congress people who are representative of the state who should be controlled by the state legislature that's doing this stuff. Yes. Well, and remember, originally, senators were appointed by by the state legislatures, or by, what is it, the governor or the state legislature, I forget, but by the states. Um, so, you know, imagine if you had a Senate that was run by the states the way it's supposed to be. So, um, so anyway, so you, so then you go, so then the, the states, Arizona and some other states, try to regulate mm-hmm. um, matters, some of which were, some of which were just copies of federal immigration law. We're just going to reenact at the state level the exact same thing that Congress passed as a state law, and then we're going to enforce it. And the Supreme Court says, no, you can't do that. Because you might complicate or interfere with or contradict the national federal immigration policy. That, that's what Arizona, United States versus Arizona says. And, and, and other, in other cases. So, um, so by trying to enforce the law that Congress passed, they're violating the law. Uh, you know, what, what they said, I mean, what they're saying in effect, in my words, is that if, if Congress, if the executive branch chooses not to enforce uh, the federal law, that, they're, that, that they're, the states are interfering with that, with their choice not to enforce the law that Congress wrote. And, it's, and, and only Congress's law is the supreme law of the land. So anyway, um, now the other thing, is that w- what's come up since then, and mm-hmm. you know, I was pushing it in, 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 in columns and things and, and letters to legislatures, is that um, there's a provision called Article 4, Section 4, uh, which you know, Greg has cited, it, it guarantees a Republican form of government to the states. Um, and it's and it guarantees that the, the federal government will defend the states against invasion. And it also makes clear that if <clears throat> under emergency circumstances, uh, because normally the states cannot go to war by themselves, mm-hmm. you know, or they cannot, you know, they're supposed, they, they, they're supposed, supposedly they gave up their individuality to be part of the United States of America. And, that, and in return, the United States of America agreed to defend them, which they're not doing. But there are emergency circumstances where they can't. So United States versus Arizona and all the federal cases did not consider constitutional right, and nobody paid any, nobody even noticed that it existed. Over the last decade or so, people have started to understand there actually is, you know, a, um, a requirement of the federal government to defend the um, the states against invasion and 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 um, action. So that has never been brought before the Supreme Court. 
and there's a big move now to do it. Now, Ken Cusnelli writes for the Center for Renewing America, this long policy brief uh, that – is that October? That can't be October 26th. Oh, that was a year ago, October 26th. Um, and um, so he, he's put out this brief on what they can do. And, you know, they're going to have the, – the governors are going to have to take their power uh, under that. But, but one thing that I've uh, – and, and he argues about how they have to use – invoke Article 4, Section 4. And what's interesting about Article 4, Section 4 is everything else that says Congress has the power. I mean, they have the discretion. Mm-hmm. Right. Article 4, Section 4 does not give any discretion. It does not make it clear how it gets executed. But it's not it, – it, it leaves no decision for the state, for the federal government. The federal government shall do it. You know, come hell or high water, like it or not, you're going to eat your peas. <clears throat> and um, so uh, – but the problem is, is that we – is that back, you know, for a long time we talked about immigration – as a rhetorical invasion, you know, and what I, what, what I and other people were pointing out, you know, 10, back in 2014-ish, is that they have to document that this is an actual invasion. It's not a rhetorical invasion. Um, it's not a figure of speech. It's a reality. And without that, they're not going to force the federal government to take action. But, yeah, um, but uh... if they... Um, well, the federal government is causing the invasion. This is the part everybody, yeah. everybody's this, missing. They're, the states have to do this. The states have to repel the invasion of the federal government, the cartels, and the illegals. Bianchi? The states have a right to protect its citizens before the federal government even comes into any play at all. And they need to take these sentences that took those illegals and took them back over there to the entry points there at the border. You gave them back to the uh, federal officials. Here, these are your people. They're not mine. They're your people. Hmm. Yeah. Because that is the authorization that the states have given. And I will reiterate what I've said many times. People need to understand that the United States Constitution is not a contract between states and the federal government. It is a contract between each of the 50 states of this union. And in that contract, we agree that we will have a central federal government with very specific and limited authority. And in that authority, we can take it back. Because it's an agreement between states. The federal government only exists. The federal government only exists with Congress people that come from states. That's where they come from. They are behooving to the people of those states, and they're not behooving to once they get there. All of a sudden, they got this mystical man behind the curtain called Oz. Right. That's a good point, Jonathan. Exactly. And if you want to be a state of this union, then. Your state complies with these basic rules, this Bill of Rights. You will not create laws that defy this basic right that are acknowledged. 
as part of being a part of this union. And we create a federal government that only has limited authority. And when that but government they're, they're giving power, starts Lord. to encroach on that on authority, mm-hmm. then the states and the people have the absolute right to exert that authority back. So we'll, well take you, that you authority just... back. Texas, you can take your authority back on the border because well, yeah, your you, you... state border has more authority than the federal border. Does that make sense? Well, it makes sense. Yeah, it sounds it's crazy to me to say it, but the state of Texas's border has more authority than the federal border of the United States. For Texas. Why? But, but, because but just, Texas is, you know, the boss. Actually, Texas, because the circumstances in which Texas joined um, was different, and they asserted greater rights when they joined the union. But, but, Absolutely. The, um, but the thing is, is that um, it's like I've said on here many times after spending so much time rubbing shoulders in Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. it is that most of the people who are experts and decision makers and commentators are stunningly ignorant. Of, and mainly because they're lazy. You know, it's not that they're inferior. They just don't, they don't go read the original documents. They, uh, they just listen to whatever the person next to them said at a cocktail party, and then they say, like, you know, what he said. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the, what, what we're saying here, like, like, for example, nobody mentioned this in 2010, 2009, during this whole issue with Arizona versus the United States. This is all, this, I mean, it's been there the whole time, and nobody paid any attention to it. So, so these common sense, obvious ideas are completely mysterious to to most of the um, most of the country's leadership, and they're slowly starting to figure it out. Um, and um, if all you do is say, in fact, I think somebody wrote a book, Invasion, was it Michelle Malkin or somebody, um, and you know, if you're just saying it's like an invasion, well, then you can't force the government. To, to repel a, a rhetorical invasion. But if, but if you say no, but, you know, for example, some of the, the, the limited research I could do back then, volunteer, and also not access to official records, is, you know, I, and I saw one time and I couldn't find it again. They were, the, the, the cartels were firing 50 caliber machine guns mm-hmm. across the river yep. into the United States. You're firing military grade 50 caliber machine guns into the United States, I'm going to say that that's kind of warlike. And, you know, there, there are guns, there's gunfire at the 50 El Paso City yeah. Hall. There's, I mean, there, there's gunfire across the river into the United States. And, you, and you've got <clears throat> this, the cartels, the smuggling. Um, I mean, fentanyl now is, you know, uh, it, you, know you have to understand that fentanyl now is um, – you know, it, I, I believe it's an act of war, first by China, and then they then they offloaded it to to uh, the Mexican and I guess Central American cartels. I mean, they're they are killing. I don't know what the what it is up to, but if we don't stop it, you know, the deaths from chemical warfare are going to exceed the deaths in the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how long that's going to take, but it's you know we're oh, you know, it already we're on, has we're on track we lost fifty thousand people. We we lose a hundred. 200, 300,000 people a year to fentanyl at this point. It's ridiculously high. I have no idea. 
Oh, it's huge. No, but see, um, I think we should yeah, we, we should be able to take a, out the cartels. A huge bust here, even in Oregon. Yeah. This this last week, a huge bust of fentanyl and all kinds of other morphine and you know related type of things, heroin stuff like that. Huge bust. But here's the big um, point. You, you've got an illegal all administration. The West Coast and tens of thousands of deaths because it's like uh, this this poisonous fentanyl coming in, yeah. and it's coming from China. But here's, so here's all the links go to China. They are freaking trying to kill us by using this open border policy to just let people in and transport all this crap into the country yeah. and Here's the problem, kill though. thousands uh, upon thousands of people. Let me, if that let me is jump in not here. an invasion, I don't know what is. Here's, here's your problem, though, Laurie, and this is something I want Jonathan to address, too. You've got an illegal group of people in the White House. You've got an illegal deep state. You've got an illegal action opening our border. You've got illegal people coming in. You've got an illegal cartel you know, basically running our country and running our border. You know, we could have taken out, the military could take out the cartels. That would be perfectly justified. You know, there's all these things we can do, but no one's doing what they're supposed to do. Everybody's fallen down. All the courts have fallen down from election fraud to, uh, to everything else. The Supreme Court is just making up law, doing whatever they please. Nobody's doing what they're supposed to do. Nobody's following the law. No one's following the Constitution. And the states aren't doing their part because we've got illegal aliens in these states. And here's my favorite one. It's the 14th Amendment. Jonathan, I want your take on this, too. It says all persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof, and here's the key part for today, are citizens of the United States and of the state wherein they reside, which means that people that are not citizens of the United States, and that includes green card holders, are not citizens of the state in which they reside. But illegal aliens, are, are, they're not immigrants. They have no immigration status. They are criminals. Every state could take every person who's not a citizen of their state by virtue of being not a citizen of the United States and remove them. It doesn't matter whether they send them to another state or send them across the border. It doesn't matter where they send them. The states could empty their states of the illegals right now based on the 14th Amendment. Jonathan? Well, I mean, what, what do you mean can? Because they, um, if, you, if you deal in the real world and read mm-hmm. the Constitution and what it says, yes. But you notice how every little thing... That this is why this is why I'm using extreme language, and someone might be surprised about you know the left wing uh, lo- lawyer groups, and and mm-hmm. almost all of the lawyers are. Mm-hmm. Um, is that you know, for example, when people are just watching the ba- the, the drop boxes mm-hmm. in uh, in Arizona, these hysterical spawn of George Soros go run to court. And, and, and try to and try to shut down people from watching the drop boxes, um, <clears throat> and, and and thank God they lost so mm-hmm. far. Um, yeah, they call it voter suppression, but, uh, which is what happens when Republicans are killed for being Republicans. That's voter suppression. Yeah. Or canvassers, you know, yeah, get so. uh, almost killed. Yeah. But I mean, every little thing, including the fact that, like, when they went when they went after Arpaio's office, some of the things that they did were, um, um, well, I mean, they're all over the map. But I'm saying that, that if you, they, they've argued that if you stop, if the police stop someone for eight minutes, 
to, 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 to make sure they're here legally or something like that. That's like, you know, the end of civilization and, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, everything like that. So you have to understand that anything that we can do or do, or do they're going to fight every inch of the way. Well, we have to beat them. I mean, this is why we have created Action yeah. Radio. Well, yeah, you got to redo the laws you so it makes it back. easier to fight them. You know, but the, but the, but the whole idea, of course. We have to start fighting back as states. That yeah. is where the power lies. You got to fight them back as a state, a country. I mean, this stuff is just don't got completely out of control, Jonathan. It's completely mm-hmm. all over the place. It's just like this Paul yep. Pelosi thing. What the hell is the FBI doing there investigating a damn domestic dispute? <laughs> They're there for the cover. Well, That's because it's thing. Nancy Pelosi and the Secret Service and it's Homeland Security and everybody else. <laughs> That's why. Yeah. What's next? A general show up on the scene? <laughs> we had a we had a point we were making earlier that I, I think all of us are, are sort of wondering. The, the Supreme Court, the, their only job is to issue opinions. Yes, they can say something's unconstitutional, but they can't do anything about it. They cannot make policy. They can't do anything. In another case that, that we've talked about on the show, the Plyler v. Doe case, which requires illegal alien kids to be educated at taxpayer expense. Well, that's like mandatory foreign aid. You know, and so you got the, why is the Supreme Court even listened to? Why did the states, when did we get to a position where the states knuckled under to a court which has no power to do what they're doing. They cannot interpret the Constitution. That means to change it. You read it. You read it and you use it. It's perfectly clear language. But the, but, and then people just bow down and say, oh, the Supreme Court said it. It must be true. It must be a mandate. Well, that's a judicial dictatorship. That's not what we have here. So when did they get so powerful? And, or has this just been building all the time? But states have no reason well, to I listen think it's to because these powers. The Lori? Supreme Court is supposed to... Their only function, really, is to uphold the agreement that all 50 states have, which is they will not create laws that conflict with the agreement that they have, which is our U.S. Constitution, that their own state laws and constitutions will not contradict it. We all agreed. If you want to be a state in this union, you have to agree to this. And no, I think this you're, is I think the you're confusing limited the powers that we because, give to the federal government yeah. to, you know, you know, yeah, like this is what I'm saying. Like, um, so we can't forget that. Every state signed on to it. And so a state cannot impose a new constitution or a law that conflicts with the federal um, because it's what they agreed upon. This is the bare minimum. And most states even expand on it, like on our Bill of Rights and stuff like that. Um, but they're, they're not, they cannot defy the agreement that they have between all 50 states. And the Supreme Court of the federal government is supposed to to be the the judge between state disagreements because we're all independent, sovereign states, right? And when mm, we have a disagreement, I, I, you're you're on the right track. In our laws, then that's Laurie, what the Laurie, federal Supreme Court on, is Laurie. supposed to do: mm, is Laurie, to mediate and Laurie, determine what's Laurie, constitutional Laurie. or not. 
Laurie, hold on. You're overcomplicating it. Uh, it, it, yeah. Article three is very simple. So what I want to, you know, just the Supreme Court is the is the top court. They're there to handle the cases that uh, get through the lower courts, get through the appellate courts, and it gets to the Supreme Court. But what they're designed to do is to settle cases. Period. Okay. Now those might be state cases. Those might be between states. Those might be between people and states. Those might be between people and federal government. It might be all the things that are listed in Article Three. That's what they're supposed to do. But if you talk about an agreement, it gets very complicated. You sort of, I think it's, you're on the right track, but you're confusing the issue unnecessarily. And so what we should focus on is the fact that the Supreme Court is a court that handles cases. Period. They don't make law. They don't make policy. They don't make regulations. They don't do anything beyond the case. That's where their jurisdiction ends. And unless we get that established, and then everybody else picks up on it. Okay, so the states you know, they don't have to they don't even have to listen to, to cases of the Supreme Court that are that when they go out the deep end. We've got the tenth amendment. Right. The tenth amendment is you what protects the states right. from the Supreme Court. Pianki, go ahead. Then I'm going to get to Jonathan. You're absolutely right. The states do not have to listen to the court unless they want to. The court don't have any power. Federal government don't have any police and power. If it's unconstitutional, states say it's unconstitutional. We ain't doing it. The hell yeah. with you. And then they wrestle it out in court again. Jonathan, where did this come out about that states are knuckling under to a Supreme Court making policy regulation and law? They have no reason to do that. I mean, Arizona, well, the U.S. Probably, should be laughing at them. It probably, I mean, it, you know, it probably came under the Civil Rights Act when the southern states said, after Brown versus Board of Education, we're not going to do that. And Dwight Eisenhower sent in the National Guard. Like everything, you know, people, <clears throat> people read the headlines mm-hmm. and misunderstand what the courts are actually saying. You know, there are, there are um, you know, what, what's actually going on. You know, for example, a, a case gets thrown out for lack of standing or statute of limitations. Mm-hmm. And people misinterpret that as meaning that it's, that's part of, of the substance. Um, so... Um, you know, when that's not what, what it says. Um, so, um, you know, and, and I have a friend in the legal world, a consultant, he says, you got the right answer to the wrong question. <laughs> so like with, it, with Arizona versus, versus the United States in 2010, they didn't raise the issue of Article 4, Section 4. Mm-hmm. So on the issues before the court and on the briefs, they say, Arizona, you lose. But if they had come in and they had said, um, oh, by the way, we have an absolute right, you know, inviolate to have the government uh, defend us. Um, you know, an honest Supreme Court would have then have said, oh, well, that's different then. Um, you know, so you have to you have it depends on what what the, the, the litigants actually argue. So okay. so just because there's a surface similarity between some of these things doesn't mean that's what's really going on. Um, but the other thing is, Pianchi said, the states ha- don't have to do it unless they want to. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that's the issue. They want to. You know, mm-hmm. the, uh, the, 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 reason that the, the, the reason that there's, there's so much, um, you know, there, there, the reason that there is so much, um, you know, that so many things happen is that, you know, they all come from the same from the same uh, swamp, um, they go to they go to liberal college, then they go to liberal law schools, then they get hired by liberal. You know, they, they the 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 law the legal profession is 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 left wing, so they they advance 
mm-hmm. um, based on their left-wing beliefs, and then they eventually become judges. And, and you know, they don't have to actually, you know, wink and nod to, uh, to point out that, um, that they, uh, you know, that they, they come to the same conclusions. And, of course, you know, until, until 2010 with the Tea Party movement, most, you know, the dominant Republicans, they wanted this uh, open borders. And most of them still, you know, some of the more prominent ones still do. Liz Cheney, um, Mitt Romney, all these people. They, they, really, they really think that they're going to convince us orange man bad and we're just going to go back to the, the way things used to be. And they're going to have open borders and drive down our wages and, you know, and, well, that's what the and everything about. like that. You've just defined the reason for the coup. The coup, the reason that the deep state stole the government back from the people is so they could go back to business as usual. You know, outrageous wars everywhere, the permanent war class, you know, the, the racial divisions, all the things that, were, that we were getting rid of, uh, the improvement in our commerce, open energy, a closed border, things like that. They reversed everything that Trump did, which means the deep state, the government that chose the government for themselves – that is the crime here, and we keep forgetting that. We sort of lose touch with the fact that this is a coup. We've had our government stolen, so nothing this government does is legal. Understanding that, why would you obey anything that they say, knowing that everything this government does is illegal because it's not a government? This is the first time in history. We don't have a president. We do not have a federal legal administration. We are ungoverned right now. We're being, we're being run by a coup, and people forget that every single day. So why would you obey a coup? It's our duty as citizens of this country to resist that coup. That's the whole purpose of, of, of the activism we're doing. Jonathan, then I got one more question for you. Well, I mean, that, that requires convincing people that a thing that some people <laughs> right don't want on. to Right on. This guy's right on. But there's no question that, I mean, you look at the Constitution, you can't get away from it. Let me look at one of the other things that Ken Cuccinelli wrote. Okay. Here. He talked about the Constitution provides states an appropriate self-help remedy under Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3, which stipulates that, quote, no state shall, without the consent of Congress, lay any duty of tonnage, that means the state as opposed to the federal, the federal court, the federal does it, keep mm-hmm. troops or ships of war in time of peace, in times of peace, enter into any agreement or compact with another state or with a foreign power or engage in war unless actually invaded or in such imminent danger as will not admit delay. Mm-hmm. Now, remember, when this is written, they didn't have radios or telegraphs or, um, you know, so a delay might mean they'd have to, you know, they'd have to send a, a rider by horse and, you know, and, and confer, and it could, it could be weeks before um, they, they get that. But, but the delay that's, you know, that's going on here, he says that that's, that exception indicates that, that um, that the Congress can um, that the states can do those things in time mm-hmm. of war or imminent danger. But here's the thing: is that several counties in Texas and neighboring border states have declared an emergency. Mm-hmm. Greg Abbott won't. <laughs> well, and, Kerry Lake's going to do know, it in Arizona. I've written She's letters of columns a long time ago. Is that he? Yeah. Did, is the governors need to direct their state police to collect uh-huh. information on all the acts of violence across the border. Huh. And if you did that, I think you'd have to say, oh, my God, there's no way around this. Yeah. But, but the state, you're still there, right? I'm still here. 
the state of Texas Absolutely. has not declared an emergency. Carrie Lake, running for governor, that's um, what I was just saying. Carrie that, Lake's going to do it. Yeah. That she will declare a state of emergency. But again, you know, it, in my, you know, it's one thing you know, from my legal experience. Be persuasive. You want to give the chapter in verse. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to, if you're going to say that there's a that just like they did in the Declaration of Independence when they listed all these things, mm-hmm. if you're going to claim that, you know, you have to, um, that you have to, um, you know, be separate from England, you're going to say that, that you're going to give all the details. So I would think that that Carrie Lake and Governor Abbott and the things they need to they need to have you know the the, the facts like like I say on such and such a date they shot across the border and there's this bullet in the El Paso City Hall in the tower um, you know they've you know they've invaded across the land they they've you know all these things that they've done and um, and the thing like I say they're the way the Constitution is written mm-hmm. it does not say if Congress agrees. So if they put up a plausible case, mm-hmm. there is nothing to say, oh, we don't agree with you. If the states, if the states make, put up a plausible case saying this really is an invasion, there's no provision in the Constitution to say, no, nah, we're not going to do that. Mm-hmm. It, it's absolute. It's w- one of the only absolute powers I can see. In the, well, I guess there's some against the government, but but well, um, Bill of Rights are absolute. You know, we were talking about uh, the states enforcing, huh? you know, enforcing the Bill of Rights. You know, with with the courts, the Fourteenth Amendment is very clear, and this is the part that the, the, the people, every everyone seems to forget too. No state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States. I mean, isn't that the clause that says that the Bill of Rights doesn't just apply to federal law; it applies to state and local law too. The Bill of Rights apply to all law in this country. And that's what allowed for the federal government to interfere and destroy segregation uh, and through the Civil Rights Act and to send in the National Guard because citizens, all citizens, black citizens in this case, had the same privileges and immunities as, as citizens of the United States as they do in the state of Mississippi or, or Alabama or any other place. Right. The Constitution does not, the Bill of Rights does not say it applies to the states, but the 14th Amendment and the concept of due process have been interpreted to... Well, you don't have to um, interpret. Well, isn't it privileges and immunities, Jonathan? Isn't it right here? That it says right here. No state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States. The, the, the privileges and immunities is the Bill of Rights. You know, is, the, is what makes us citizens. Is the fact that the Constitution... That, we're yeah, a federalist the, system. The Constitution you know, applied to the federal government and the Bill of Rights applied to the state. Well, the Constitution is a limitation on the federal government, but but one of the but the Bill of Rights, one of those limitations, one of those agreements, is that the federal government has the power to enforce constitutional rights on the states. But this, in the same way that people well, forget, well, the well, states what they're doing is, enforce, they're doing is protecting the rights of U.S. citizens. Is what they're doing, right? Right. But what I'm saying is, but we're also citizens of the state in which we reside, which means the state governments can protect the state citizens against invasions and unconstitutional excess of authority per the Constitution, as Laurie says, the agreement, right? If the federal government exceeds their authority, states can protect their citizens 
Everybody as much as the federal right. government can protect. You know what? Yes, sir. We're, we're There's a citizens. bunch of folks in Texas come up to right. Oregon and try to attack me. I get, I have the right to defend myself, and the federal government has nothing to freaking do with it. You know. Yeah. Well, the, <laughs> we, well, let me get Johnson. We Johnson, have to though. remember we are independent states. So as independent states, as Laurie and Pianchi and I am saying, Jonathan, where is there any evidence or example of the states going against the federal government using exactly the same powers that the federal government used in segregation against southern states? Where have the states stood up to the federal government and said, look, our citizens have the same privileges and immunities as citizens of the United States, of all the states, that the, the citizens of Arizona or Texas or Florida, where I am, you know, or Missouri, where Pianchi is, or Oregon, where, where Laurie is, these states can enforce the Constitution against the federal government protecting the citizens of their states because we're dual. We're dual citizens. We're citizens of the United States, and we're citizens of the state in which we reside. And that's what allows us to transfer both back and forth. But they forget the second half, which is the states can protect us against the federal government. Jonathan? Yep. Yep. Well, they have. Yes, sir. Have they? Where have the states done that? Well, except in the civil rights cases. But but they have but that that's that's the problem is is that um, the people who could stand up and do something about this don't want mm-hmm. to. Well, the only example I can yeah. think of is, is the mandates. Remember the COVID mandates? We've got uh, Dorothy and Lynn. I'll get to her in just a second here. But do you remember the COVID mandates? Uh, Ron DeSantis and some other governors stood up, and, and Christy Noem of South, uh, South Dakota was the only person who never locked down. DeSantis actually had some early programs. But they were resisting the federal government in protecting us and our constitutional rights from mask mandates, from, from uh, vaccine mandates, and from uh, school closures and things like that. So they actually defied the federal government because the federal government had no power to do what they were doing. Why can't they use that I same totally thing against illegal aliens? I totally have a woman crush on Christy Noam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, She's she great. She was like the ultimate. I yeah. try to get her on the show. If there is a woman worthy of being the first female president of the United States, it is Christy Noam. Well, I'm, I'm going to try and get her on the show again. I tried nobody before. that would be ashamed of yeah. her being the first. Yeah, but let's, let's uh, well, we, we got, we're going to end this here because it's, this is a great topic. We can pick it up next time. But, Jonathan, just in conclusion, why, why aren't the states doing what they did with COVID? Why aren't they standing up for their states? Because by, the time, by, because by the time COVID came along with the Tea Party right. movement and the mega movement, the American voters are saying we're mad as hell and we're not going to take it anymore. And so the, the governors who 10, 15 years ago, or if there hadn't been this uprising, would have just gone along with it, couldn't do it because the voters wouldn't, you know, wouldn't stand for it. it, it, it it's, because, it's because of we standing up and saying, hell no. Interesting. Okay. Hey, listen, thank you all. You're welcome to stick around for the next hour. We've got uh, Dorothy Diana. We're, th- th- as they say, totally changing gears. We're, we're changing vehicles. <laughs> this is the, the sex and sensuality report. What I'm curious about, I want to talk to uh, Dorothy about power couples. And how they, they they maintain you know what what kind of relationship do these to do Paul and uh, um, you know, and and Nancy have or or the people that just split up um, who's the football player what's his name you know the guy I'm talking about right 
uh, Tom Brady and, and the supermodel. I'm curious about the dynamics. So as we bring this down to a personal level, how do these people, these power couples, you know, maintain whatever they're doing? Anyway, totally change of subject. And I'm sure Dorothy has something else completely to talk about. Um, so what I want to do is play a couple things real quickly here. And Dorothy, I have a new theme for you. So uh, this, uh, this might be mildly amusing. I'll find out in a minute. Back in two minutes. From addiction to achievement, that is the story of Mike Lindell. It started with my pillow and now goes to my coffee. Action Radio is proud to be an affiliate of my pillow. Our discount code is the same for all our product affiliates, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws. My pillow pillows are guaranteed the most comfortable pillow you'll ever own. Action Radio is guaranteed to be the most controversial show you will ever hear. Check out their products with our discount code at mypillow.com slash W-Y-L. That's mypillow.com slash W-Y-L. Or order now by calling 1-800-544-8939. That's 1-800-544-8939. Sleep well so you can wake up and hear Action Radio Live. Hello, this is Greg Penglis for our newest shooting range here in Milton, Florida. Stand your ground. My friend Jason Myers and crew are creating an incredible facility for our city. Stand your ground is located at 6632 Elba Street. The phone number is 850-789-1776. Their email is standyourground1776 at gmail.com. Here you'll find either in process or already going an indoor shooting range, axe throwing, archery, a rage room, self-defense classes, concealed carry weapons classes, security license training, paintball, a full-service gun store, and 24-7 online ordering. So come on down or contact them by phone, email, or website and learn how you can best stand your ground. Okay, I'm back, and I want to uh, bring uh, Dorothy on here live because I always like to get a live reaction whenever I do a new theme. This is one of those risky moments in radio where I have no idea exactly what's going to happen, but we'll find out in a bit. Dorothy, good morning. How are you doing? Good morning. I'm doing well. How are you? I am well. So to introduce your, your, your uh, report, um, I kind of uh, – we'll find out in a minute. I made this uh, over the weekend. Hey there. I'm the guy. I'm the man. I always know what to say to the ladies. Hey, babes. Nice cell phone. Bet it's got a great camera. You into photography? Want a picture of my manhood? Oh, yeah. What was that? Later? Oh, much later. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, she's mine. I know all about sex, of course. And even that uh, sensuality thing? I can be really charming, too. Check this out. Hey, sweetie, pick a card. Any card. They're all platinum. I've got the moves. I've got the income. I wear just the right amount of cologne and polyester. I've got the car. Convertible. Sports car. Stick shift. Sometimes I even let women hold my stick shift. So, sex? (laughs) Need you ask? I'm a natural. However, even a guy as with it and together as I am occasionally needs just a little more information. That's when I tune in to Dorothy Diana on Action Radio, because this 
is the Sex and Sensuality Report. Yep, he's the guy you want to meet in the bar, right, Dorothy? <laughs> I mean, he's clued into a few things, probably, but maybe his approach is, mm, needs some work. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, I, I had this music, this bossa nova music, and I thought, I've got to do something with this, and this is what I came up with. Anyway, so uh, you can tell me later, but I thought that was kind of get us in. I picked all the worst pickup lines I could think of and just kind of put them into to one you know, little intro here, because that's what we're fighting, misinformation, crazy stuff, things like that. So how are you doing? Well, yeah, the guy wants a relationship, and he's trying to appeal to what he thinks women want and also share what he wants, which is to be mm. touched and to have sex. And he's saying, well, maybe if I, if I explain that I have money and I'll send it on her and I have a cute car, maybe I can have sex with her. That's essentially his message, and he's not completely wrong, but I think there might be a better approach. It's really cute. <laughs> well, thank you. So if you want to make one, too, we could, we could do like the, 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 the woman's version. You know, of like uh, mm. all the stereotypes put in one place and, uh, you know, send it to me. I'll play it on the show. <laughs> but this is some of the fun we mm. have in our experiments. Yeah. So what's in your mind this week? Have you, uh, do you want to talk about the, 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 the power couple thing I was kind of curious about on a personal level? Or we can talk about that. I mean, it's, it's not something I know a lot about, but I have my opinions. Mm. Uh, so this okay. week for me has been, this week for me has been very challenging and there's, um, I'm going through a lot of life changes and I'm going to get personal Mm. only because I feel like we're all having a human experience. And what I found is sharing actually empowers others. So it gives others Mm. permission to share and feel like they're not. And, and just to segue into what I want to talk about today or what I'm hoping to talk about with you. Um, So, you know, I'm going through a divorce and I'm going through a custody thing and a financial settlement. And there were a lot of surprises along the way. I probably will write a book one day. It could be a soap opera, all the things that have come up. It's very interesting. Um, But, you know, the universe can give you lots of clues and show you, you know, but you have to do your own journey. So this week I did a mediation and um, I'm practicing for the first time being without my children. I've been a homeschooling mom and a homemaker, and now they're with their dad away from me sometimes. And it's very Mm. interesting, a lot of shifts, and the financial settlement um, mediation happened this week. So I'm seeing what happens and where I'm probably going. There's a lot. That being said, I asked for it all. I manifested it. I wanted freedom and happiness. I knew our soul contract needed to be over years Uh ago, and this is all a good thing. But... I am human and I'm, you know, I'm susceptible to fears and worries. So what I decided this week is I'm going to emphasize even more moving towards pleasure in the moment to moment in the day to day, because I can't control a lot of things, but I can control my thoughts and my view of the world on how beautiful and miraculous this is and who I speak to and, you know, even walking barefoot through the cool morning grass or you know, walking in the woods or petting my dogs, like all these things, sipping some hot coffee for the first time of the day and just noticing how amazing everything feels. And literally when I focus on these things and I have intention towards pleasure, my entire mood changes, my, my thoughts change, and everything seems just fine and I'm able to surrender So I try to make this practice regular, but I think even more so in these, you know, it's very elitist, maybe in privileged family to say, move towards pleasure, get a massage, go to yoga when you're stressed. You know, not everyone can do those things, but we all can find pleasure moment to moment and we can surrender 
to a situation when it's difficult and breathe through it and have faith that we're going to be okay. And how does this relate to sexuality and sensuality? Well, it really does a lot, a whole lot. Mm-hmm. So this okay. was my week. This was my thoughts today. No, this is fascinating. Um, in fact, we had uh, Lori on the line. I guess she just left us now. Lori is from Oregon, another uh, blog talk host. And we had the, it's interesting going to, to this report from Jonathan because it's such a, we had such a rip-roaring discussion. I was going over the, the Paul Pelosi thing uh, earlier on. Uh, and then we had we all kinds of legal stuff. That is hilarious. Did you hear that the first hour? hilarious. I've, no, I was dry, dropping my dogs off and hot oh, yes, yoga. Did, yeah. I, I came okay. in hot on two wheels, but I heard the last <laughs> podcast. Yeah, get the podcast, and then we just had a whole we're big big discussion about states' rights and uh, illegal aliens and things like that. And then to come to your report, it's such a, mm-hmm. it's a fascinating contrast, and it's such a big change. This is why I like doing it. Well, um, what but, we focus on, we get more of. Uh-huh. So if you focus yeah. on the humorous aspect of Paul and Nancy Pelosi, that situation, which I think a lot of uh-huh. us are focusing on, the humorous. You know, instead of focusing on, oh, my gosh, it's so corrupt, they're such liars. I mean, there's two different viewpoints we can, like, two different mentalities we can look at this in. And so one one creates feelings in the body of positive energy, and -hmm. and one creates feelings of stress. So I'm I'm choosing to look at the Paul and Nancy Pelosi situation with a lot of humor. (laughs) Well, I want to do that this hour, too. But listen to what you talked about first, because this is interesting. Uh, So many people go through divorce. Uh, So many people, I have, there's some real tragedies out there. We have a whole family law project because I have friends that have had their kids taken at gunpoint, and they're the good parents you know, purposely given to the mm-hmm. bad parents to create conflict to maintain uh, divorces, but at least you're in mediation. You know, it's interesting too, as you were talking, I was thinking about um, the, the fact that uh, you go to coffee shops and, and Shirley Watson, who does our gun report, uh, she wrote a book, Heels to Holster, you know, about her domestic violence experience uh, and, and things. And now she's a, now she's a, a woman firearms instructor. And a lot of the folks in DC project have, have similar stories. So they came well, out. She wouldn't be there had she not gone through what she went through. And that's very simplistic. But the truth is, I believe we choose our situation. We choose it mm-hmm. on a full level because we yeah. have to learn something. And the mm-hmm. very painful ones are still, I mean, it's, and this is controversial, but even the painful ones, every person involved is choosing that on a soul level. And it's mm-hmm. something we all survive. We either survive it emotionally, physically. Um, if you're a faithful person, you don't believe this life is the end. So even in the worst tragedies, there is some cohesive purpose and meaning and and we can be survivors or victims right mm-hmm. oh yeah it's, it's, a, it's addiction or, or success like i was wildly depressed a few years before action radio um but had i not gone through that there's no way i could do action radio with there no you go fear, with, yes. with absolute you know there's nothing holding me back because what are you gonna do to me now i've been through it <laughs> There ain't much left. Reborn. It's a, it's a sure. rebirth. You go exactly. through the muck and the mud. When I chose uh-huh. to leave my husband, I, the prayer I said, and again, you know, everybody can say a prayer to any energy source that's, that's a light being energy source. So I'm not going to mm-hmm. preach religion. But I asked um, that's all Wednesday, the goodness the out there. I asked <laughs> all the goodness out there, the pathway for the good of all. Let me yeah. be on the pathway. Show me. I don't know what it is. I can plan. I can strategize. But it doesn't matter because, um, and there is always a way that, that the good, that everybody can win in a situation. And that's usually a very high spiritual path that we can't predict or choose. It's like this miraculous thing that unfolds. Mm-hmm. So I, I said, let this be for the good of all. And I had no idea. And I've had to have so much faith and so much surrender. And when something happens and it seems horrible and I kick and scream and I cry, then to breathe and say, okay, but, but what now? Maybe. 
maybe this isn't what I think. And frequently it, it hasn't been. It actually turns out being okay or something shifts. So it's, mm-hmm. it's a crazy journey, but, but I feel myself transforming and put, getting to put into practice all the things I preach, right, for so many years to my kids and other people and other women. That could be oh, a shock, yeah. by the way, for those to actually uh, talk great? one thing and then, and then do it. Yeah, it's fascinating. Listen, as a flight instructor, mm-hmm. I had to do the same thing. I had to fly as I taught. You know, and I actually did because I believed in what I was teaching, and I think that's the difference. Um, but what we were saying earlier about, uh, you know, and this is what I say, this is sort of like the coffee shop analogy. So even in the mm-hmm. midst of tragedy, even with the crazy things going on, you know, you still take time to go out and have a beignet, you know, or whatever. You know, you have uh, the, the, the Sumatra blend, or, and, and it's these simple things. But the point with Shirley I was mentioning is that yeah. she goes to cafes, you go to cafes, I go to cafes. We're gonna we're gonna set up a coffee page, <laughs> you know, just because. But there's a place, there's there's a happy place that we all go. I mean, a real one, not just the mental one or the the, the imaginary one, but there's a real one. There's a real reason for cafes, and that it takes. Well, so that, you that, can go go in order. Yeah. yeah, you can go in and order your stuff. Don't speak to the person. <laughs> look at your phone. Look at your schedule for the day, and mm-hmm. have your mindlessly eat your food, mindlessly drink your coffee, or you go or, in. You make eye contact with a barista. You make eye contact. You smile. You get in a tiny conversation about the brooch they're wearing or their hairstyle and compliment them. And all of a sudden, mm-hmm. you see them brighten up. You order. You ask them, oh, what's really good that I maybe haven't tried? And now they're the expert, and maybe they advise you. I mean, there's so many ways you can turn the really, that, that tiny experience into connection and pleasure. Mm-hmm. I mean, really feeling grateful for the coffee, knowing I mean, I, I've been wealthy. Now I get to be poor. That's such a blessing, Greg. Because <laughs> when I order my latte, I'm serious. Because I've been poor before, but I've had 15 years of getting whatever I want whenever I want it. And I'm just going to, hmm. that's the truth. But, but in the past, though, I left. Because you're getting divorced. Well, uh, so yes. Yeah, no, no. When I, when I say that, I mean material things. Not well, what I, mean I needed too, emotionally. Not what I needed that, physically at all. But the material yeah. can only carry you so far. It's this way a lot of winners so far, go broke. Yeah. And the point I'm making is when mm-hmm. I go into the coffee shop now, I get mm-hmm. to look at my checking account and see, can I even get a latte? And I get mm-hmm. to buy the latte and really enjoy it. I don't mm-hmm. take it for granted. I, I fucking love my latte much more now. And mm-hmm. I'm a, kind of, that tiny feeling of guilt, like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have because it's indulgent. So that feels good, too. And um, <laughs> just making every moment in that cafe pleasurable. Like, am yeah. I going to sit on the velvet couch or in the booth? Am I going to open my computer and do some work? Or get in another conversation. I don't know. Yeah, I do like cafes. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's fascinating. The, the, the people, there's certain commonalities I notice in, in the show here. Uh, a lot of us are very much, very strong believers in God and believing that there's a much higher power than us. And yet the people that believe in God the most also believe in freedom the most. You know, it's, mm. it's fascinating that okay. uh, as, as complex people, um, we like to go, we like the simple things. I go for bike rides and talk to the rabbits on the path, you know, and say hello. Yeah. You know, I mean, and, I, and, the, and the dragonflies fly with me. I mean, they really do. Yeah, and you want freedom Um, for them, too. Like, when you value your own freedom, you want others uh to have it also. And Mm -hmm. I had this debate with my my significant other. Um, Mm -hmm. We don't see eye to eye on a lot of things, which can be fun. But, you know, he believes it's okay just to (laughs) – Well, we we have enough overlap that I think we're fine. But, like, for instance, he works in in building supplies, and so he believes it's totally fine and good just to mow down – a whole bunch of trees and put up nope. a new structure where I am very much into nature, but see, that's, you know, kind of a more, I'm more of a kind of bleeding heart liberal in a lot of my views on things, but I'm like, you know, in a neighborhood, you shouldn't be able to build a McMansion on a tiny lot. Your neighbors don't have sun anymore. Like in an old neighborhood where the houses are small, I feel like there's well, regulations. Minute, 
I but know. Dorothy, if you're a conservative, what's wrong with conserving <laughs> the environment? If you if you are if you are oh, if, yeah. that's what to conserve means, okay? So to conserve the mm-hmm. sunlight, conserve the environment. So I wrote a master plan for my county here. I'm in Santa Rosa County, Florida. A little off track, but I think our whole hour is off track, but that's kind of cool. Um, but I wrote a plan saying if you're going to manage this county, you got to stop development right now to see where we are. You've got to preserve open space. You've got to preserve recreation. You've got to preserve farmland. You have to make uh, room for for tourism. You have to have a good infrastructure. You have to preserve the historic district. You've got to develop the airport. You've got to bring in businesses into our historic district. And you need a master plan. And here's an outline for you. You know, and so, but it's all about conserving. Everything I'm talking about is conserving. Well, you consider, yes. And I guess what I meant is the view of, capitalism wins no, but that's, and but that's a common view you can do that's whatever what I wanted you want to, but that's an assumption um, that conservatives you're not conservative there's something bad about conserving and that's what I wanted to, to point out see the liberals aren't the only mm-hmm. environmentalists they're not the only spiritual people they're not the only ones that have dragonflies fly beside and them I think that's friends. a good point I think that seeing the similarities I think when you sit people down and you don't watch mm-hmm. TV and you have a conversation, the similarities yeah. are way more than the differences and almost everything we see eye to eye on. So we've talked before about, you know, the transgender political push and how we love transgenders and we are fine with them. But there's a political push when Starbucks waves your flag, you know, there's something fishy afloat. They never mm-hmm. really cared in the first place, Walmart and Starbucks. Mm-hmm. So there's something weird political. And I yep. think when we sit down, everyone kind of sees eye to eye and says, Oh, yeah, children should be allowed to be children, and children should be given freedom to be who they are, yet not pushed, yet, you know, their innocence preserved with no shame about their body and sexuality, but at the same time not overload of information too early. And, like, 99% of people agree with this, but the news would have us believe that we see so differently and that if you say, hey, that kind of sex ed that early saying that isn't actually helpful and if you have that viewpoint, then you suddenly want to repress everyone and make everyone cisgender and straight. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what I mean? So Yeah, cisgender um, is not a word. It's one of those weird, weird made-up liberal words. You know, it's, it's, well, it's I don't mind made-up words. I think as, our, as we evolve mm-hmm. spiritually and we become yeah. even more divine beings, and again, we're going to get in this, that we will have new vocabulary as our culture changes. So there's going to always be new words that weren't there because well, we, I, we as evolve. As long as they're accurately mm-hmm. reflective, it's, it's like a lot of words come up and, and totally change things around. Uh, like transgender is not, to me, that's the wrong kind of word because you're really talking about a, a personal issue that people have uh, and it's being converted to a civil right, and that's, I think is wrong. You know, gender affirming care. Well, we're not care. going to debate this. You know, but, well, okay, I mean, no, we're going to Yeah. Oh, there goes my dog. It's because it's garbage truck day every Monday. It's oh, okay. Well, There's nothing yeah. I can do about it. They okay. are terrified well, of the garbage truck. So, so how you do hear you hear them? Yeah, I do. No, that's okay. I understand that too. So let, let's get, let's get up the policy. Let's get back to the fun stuff. So as far as yeah, fun stuff as revelations. Um, and, mm-hmm. and so if you're in, if you're in a bad marriage, you know, I'm going to get this to, to Paul Pelosi and, uh, um, what's his name? The, the football player, I keep Tom Brady in a minute here, power couple, and curious how power couples mm-hmm. relate compared to the rest of us. But if you're in a bad marriage, I mean, there's no romance in sex. There's no, there's, it's just, there's something somewhere along the way, the, 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 the stuff that, that got you together stops, I would think. And then you go to mediation. Then it becomes like a, I think a deal. lot of it has to do with living in a house isolated with small children. It's a very unnatural way for hmm. humans to live. If you look back at human history, it is, right. we've never done that. It's a social experiment gone awry. Men need hmm. other men and manly activities. They don't need to be forced into a feminine role. Again, mm-hmm. there's a lot of 
fluidity with the gender. A lot of men love to cook and they don't mind cleaning up. That's totally great. I don't mean that. Well, the best, I the mean, best traditionally chefs in the world ma- are men. Most yeah, of the best chefs. Of course. A lot of the best chefs are men. But I'm saying traditionally masculine. So if my husband comes home, I've been with the kids all day and I need, I need to kvetch and I need to chat and I want to tell you about this thing on Facebook and I want to tell you that he needs space after work and just to be, I mean, women are isolated and they're very social by nature hmm. and we've always raised right. children in community. So women are kind of being tortured by staying at home, but yet it's better for the children to have someone stay at home. So it's sort of this conundrum that I believe Unless a lot you of do homeschool. Unless you get, you know, four or five parents There are together. ways around this. Yep. Yeah, and that's, that's the thing. There's ways, ways around it. There's ways around for guys, too. Yeah. I mean, they have softball leagues after work. Guys don't have to come home mm-hmm. immediately after work or go to the gym early or do something early. Have a softball, well, have a softball, softball before a woman, work. Yeah. If you're a woman at home with small children and mm-hmm. your husband, instead of coming home to help you after right. work, goes to softball, yes, you want to be generous of spirit. Yes, you want him to be happy. But, but you're desperate, you're tired, you're lonely, and you're overwhelmed, and you need any human body to please come help you. So I don't know. I believe strongly in investing that college fund into help around the house for the first five to seven years. Just if you don't have any family, hire someone to be there. And, um, or yeah, the kids will get older. You can make, go do, do the softball league later. I mean, you know, but this Make an be, intentional uh, move to be yeah. near family. I mean, there, there's a lot of things, but what's happening – today in the marriages is, is a setup for failure. So even if you do all the other things you're supposed to do, making time for each other, staying, keeping the romance, I mean, there's such a level of emotional, like, and nervous system dysregulation and emotional um, trauma and loneliness. I don't know. We just need different solutions. I don't mean to be depressing. Move towards No, pleasure, no, it's not depressing, but, but it's interesting <laughs> to hear about the, the nuclear family. I never, I never like that term because I don't like associating bombs with families, but that's just me. Um, yeah, it's, it's, well, yeah, exactly. But uh, if this is an unnatural situation, so so let's let's go back. I don't know, a few thousand years or however, folks, you know, in, in different societies, different cultures, different uh, different peoples, you know, kids were much more community. But they also, you know, it used to be where, where kids on the farm, you know, and they were and they were all homeschooled, so they were they're pretty isolated there too. Why did that work? You know, pioneer families. Well, especially. even in a farm community. Even mm-hmm. in a farm community, you tend to have other generations living nearby or living with you. So okay. there is a little bit of shared responsibility. Um, also in a farm, isn't the dude is home during the day. And, and so he'll come back to the house for lunch usually. And when the children are even just a little bit older, they'll be following him out to help him. Or mm-hmm. help him. There's, there, You're on purpose. You're still working together towards a project. And it's a family, purposeful family project versus right. – going outside the home, making an income for somebody else entirely that's emotionally unfulfilling and doesn't really feel like you're on purpose for a man. So now he's mm-hmm. already depleted a lot of times, I think. Um, I mean, I think yeah, there's working, a lot more to that farming. Working a bad job will do that. <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah, yeah we, I mean, you're working everybody. on your own stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah, but the separations are – this is why I think uh, people working at home – oh, we should talk about that too. I'm curious how, how, how homework or work at home affects uh, marriages. I think it would for the better. But if you, if you send one parent out to – or both parents out to work, you send the kids off to school, they're in separate worlds. And then they come back at night and they're supposed to talk at dinner like they know each other. It just, it's you know. really fascinating. We're, we farm yeah. out the kids. The government has encouraged everyone to put their kids in school early where they're being raised right. by the government, whatever values that is. Uh-huh. And um, and prior to meals. me even becoming, I mean, I was always a Democrat, so this should not be a political issue. It feels like it's become that way. Prior uh-huh. to me ever questioning being a Democrat in the past few years, I always I always felt that way. Like, why do I want 
like, I don't, this crazy kindergarten teacher that turned out to have an alcohol problem, she's raising my five-year-old all day. That mm-hmm. We went to a very nice private school here in the area, and that was the situation. I pulled my son wow. out after a month because I just had my maternal intuition was screaming. And mm-hmm. everyone was like, oh, it's such a good school. Why would you do that? And my husband didn't support the decision. And I said, he is unhappy. He's changing. Something is wrong. He's only five. Um, mm-hmm. And I was right. And so, you know, and that was an expensive private school in a very safe, small town. So I don't know. I, well, that's I how the teachers could be so isolated. Children, See, the school had a vested interest in protecting. Home. Yeah, they had a vested interest in protecting themselves from anybody knowing that that teacher was there. And they, they almost had to keep that teacher on to protect people because if they got rid of the teacher, then they would be subject to the liability of parents going, well, why did you get rid of that teacher? So that's, that's a very interesting reinforcing issue where they do wrong to prevent people finding out that they've done wrong. Well, they didn't renew her contract after we, after we left that year, they didn't renew her contract. And so I got a little bit of feedback like, wow, you were right. But that was a very hard decision, very hard decision. But I learned, you know, Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter where you go. If you were like a decent educated parent and you Mm -hmm. were, I mean, mildly educated, even high school. I mean, I don't even know if you need that anymore. We won't get into that topic, but you were an attached parent who loves your child. And you have basic good values. You're probably the best source for them for education, at least until middle school. Um, you know, because there is nobody else is going to love your child like you and watch out for them. I mean, you do have really good teachers out there. Yes. But to get a teacher that's emotionally connected, which children need to feel emotionally safe to learn. And, mm-hmm. She actually has facts, and she's a critical thinker, so she's not just spewing regurgitating information. She's actually teaching. I mean, that's it's hard to find, you know. I, I do trust me. I, I have I think you know, maybe uh, you know somewhere between five and ten teachers that made my entire education worthwhile from kindergarten through uh, you know college graduation. Um, so that's that, and I had a lot more teachers than that. So it's interesting. So here's a question for you. Getting back to our our, our, our main show theme here of sex and sensuality. It, the, mm-hmm. Let's do two contrasting families. One family. Uh, the, the, the kids go to school for breakfast. They go to school for lunch. They stay after school for sports and theater and, and stuff like that. And so they're gone from, I don't know, six in the morning till, you know, four or five at night in the afternoon, long day, you know, one or both parents, well, if the kids are all gone, then the parents can go too. Cause there's nobody home to take care of. So the parents go out and work their separate jobs. So they, they leave. So now we've got a, a situation. This is probably fairly common, you know, kids old enough to do that. They're entirely separate lives. There's school lives and there's work lives, and but there's the but the marriage and the children, the family is is kind of separate. Let's take another family. Let's, let's do a different example. Now we've got kids that are homeschooled, and one or both parents are, are homeschooling, and maybe they've got you know two or three other parents. They've cooperated. They've hired a tutor for things they don't know. They can read the lesson plans as well as the school teacher can. And so for the younger folks, they're teaching, you know, and then the kids maybe go to school for theater or sports or extra stuff like that. But the where both parents are working at home. They've got a home business. They got the computer. They meet for lunch just like the family farm, you know, they've got a much more cohesive unit, you know, during the daytime uh, and they're much more sociable with each other. They know each other. They're involved in each other's lives and the work and the home and the school all work together as opposed to the separate isolation. Now who's going to have the better relationship in the marriage? Well, I think that depends on a lot more factors probably. Um, yeah. But- I mean, that's a setup question, the way I've asked it, mm-hmm. but so I'm curious about those two scenarios. That, yeah. Okay. So you can teach a lot more homeschooling you in a very much more short time. So if you're looking at just the value of how, if you really just want your child to have 
education and information, math, you know, literary skills and science information, all these things, then you can do a whole lot more in a tiny period of time when you homeschool. Um, I believe that if parents feel like they have to be a two-income, they're sort of in that situation that, honestly, our system has put a lot of families in, right, mm-hmm. where they feel like, like they feel like they're forced. I don't like to say they are forced because I don't like victim pathology, and I believe you can choose whatever you want and mm-hmm. that God always provides a way, but let's just say they feel forced to be a two-income family. What I've seen and what it seems to be the case is that the parenting is huge. So even if you only see your children um, – for a few hours in the evening, first thing in the morning, and on the weekends, truthfully, the kids that have attached parents with strong values do very well, even if they're in public school, even if they're in not an ideal situation in these big chunks mm-hmm. of time in the day. You have mm-hmm. um, at least two, a male and female energy, and preferably extended family, um, available to those kids, some sort of community with different adults that are loving Besides mm-hmm. the parents, even better, you know, those kids do great. I mean, it, it's not as ideal as the kind of education homeschooling can provide, of course. Very mm-hmm. individualized education, value-centered if you want that. Um, and then each child can be kind of treated like if you have a child that's not reading till nine, uh, they're fine. If you have a child that reads early, if you have a kid that loves science or a kid that loves sports, you can meet them at their level and you don't have mm. to make them feel stupid by putting them all in the same subject at the same time. And then one's good at it and one's not. You don't have to do any of that. You can, you can right. meet them at their level. So the benefits of homeschooling is through the roof. Yet I've seen many families whose kids went through public school the whole way because they felt like they had to. Um, and the kids do beautifully and they have high self-esteem and they're kind and they're smart um, they might be a little bit more compliant rule followers, yes. Um, but, but they don't know how smart they might have been with a homeschool or a private school combination. See, that's the thing. People say, well, I went to a public also, school and yeah. I did just fine. Well, it's like, how do you know? Anyway, I don't want to get on a school debate. They, I want to, they I want to, tend to be a little, little more shame based, a little more afraid <laughs> yeah. to step out of line when they went to public school. Yeah. They're a little more afraid to be different than normal and to not fit in, tend to be. And there's a lot of other things that go along with that because of the nature of, of large groups that are segregated by age and they have to, like, control mm-hmm. everyone, right? <laughs> okay. Yeah. But, but as, um, as far as, um, you know, if, if you have a good family, does that mean you're going to have a good marriage? In other words, if you have a more cohesive family that's, that's homeschooling, working at home, things like that, um, it, does that provide a better situation for a relationship than a, than a separate existence? And you're saying that it, it really, there's a lot more to it than that. I, th- I, that's well, why I was If you have emotionally dysregulated parents, Mm-hmm. Um, that is infectious for children, and and then you, and it can be a little traumatic, and then it's, it's yeah, basically you sort of end up with children. <laughs> yeah, you have crazy well, parents. Well, so if yeah. the parents are emotionally healthy and mm-hmm. they love each other and they have conversations and communication, then you, it results in children, no matter what their school situation is, that grow up to be adults that communicate well and have a higher self-esteem and more confidence and can regulate mm-hmm. their emotions. You know. I'm curious when you say regulate your emotions. That's an interesting topic right there. Let me let me ask you. Uh, I'm, I'm curious about what you know, and listen. And you don't have to be an expert. In fact, I, I always ask questions, you know, that uh, that go off the, the the deep end of everything, and uh, mm-hmm. I don't know the answers. Mm-hmm. I, a lot of times, my questions are designed to to talk about, not necessarily to answer. I have uh, I have some, mm-hmm. several reporters that like to answer my questions. No, no, that's I'm much more fluid than that. So we got mm-hmm. so we got these power couples. And the, the one that comes to mind, the one that's been used right now, is is Paul Pelosi and uh, Paul and Nancy Pelosi. Now here's the question: 
uh, the rumors are he's he's uh, possibly probably gay. The, the guy was, you know, they were having an affair where Nancy was out of town and they covered it up with the police and stuff like that. That's not my issue. My issue for you is how do couples stay together? What is it about public couples, power couples, people in responsible you know, areas that they might have a known gay person in the marriage and put up a front for some reason? How does that affect their relationship? Do they even have a relationship? You know, Tom Brady and uh, Giselle, the supermodel. You know, are, are they both just too, mm-hmm. yeah, are they just too pretty for their own good? Do they have lives that are so totally separate? Do they have to maintain their, their public figuredom and that they can't really, you know, can they have a marriage? So what goes on with I'm sure it's couples? a lot what? of stress. I can't imagine okay. how much more stress if you're in the limelight all the time. But I, I guess when I think about politicians' marriages at this point, from what I've seen and heard, you know, I've had a huge wake up in the past few years. It seems mm-hmm. to me the most likely scenario is that those are set up marriages. Those are arranged. Those are encouraged. There's some handlers hmm. fault. I mean, that sounds crazy, but it means that there's a lot of evidence that that certain marriages are encouraged and fostered when you when you work your way up in politics. That you okay. kind of, if you, right? So, and I don't want to mention celebrities where in LA it's known that one of the couples is gay. There's a few. That if, mm-hmm. you know, I used to live in L.A. and I would go to certain, the celebrities went. And look, I'm not looking to gossip, but you get in conversations with people who work there. and you get co- Oh, I mean, the rumors that Barack in- Obama's gay. Yeah. I, mean, I hear those all the time, you know, and whether that to me, that's irrelevant unless it affects national policy or national security. Well, so that's, that was his position as president. Happens, Otherwise, I don't care. In order to keep in order mm-hmm. to keep the upward mobility, whether you're a celebrity or a politician, someone who. At this mm-hmm. point, I believe is probably put into the position you're in. Once you get to a certain level, you have made a lot of arrangements and a lot of um, compromises, value compromises to get there. Um, so they you don't, have a normal relationship, sure, though. You know, if you've made those kind of compromises, sure that, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, I, the, if your your sexual um, proclivities, they, for some reason, they believe strongly, and I don't know why, that if you're if you are gay or you're um, in love with someone who's transgender in the case of Obama or whatever, that you can't make it up in politics, that it, that it defeats their plan to put this puppet in place or this, this celebrity in these roles, like, you know, I don't want to name any names, but like celebrities that are put in roles that are very masculine, but they're you can name names, just say alleged. Based on a my lot of is... evidence, John Travolta, Tom Cruise, and, and many more, and this has been years, and people don't care. They don't care. No one's trying to, like, nobody cares if you're gay anymore in L.A. I mean, everyone's right. gay. So it's not like <laughs> trying to smear someone. It's just known. It's just known. It's, it's just known. And so, okay. um, I mean, everyone does everyone else, right? But, um, yeah, why? Why not be out of the closet? So apparently most of the U.S. and the world wouldn't wouldn't you wouldn't make the money i guess if you came out as who you were sexually so that's why they cover it up i suppose you wouldn't i guess they felt like obama wouldn't be have been able to be as powerful as if everyone knew about him you know well and sexually, this, here's which what's interesting, I, though, wouldn't make a difference uh, to me yeah no but here's the thing though think about this we're talking about the the liberal left all right that prides themselves on tolerance that says it's okay 
you know, and it's like they're going after Herschel Walker for, I guess, uh, you know, uh, paying for an abortion from a girlfriend or maybe even a, you know, a second one. I'm not really sure. But the point is the people that are accusing him are the very people that are fighting for abortion. I mean, the hypocrisy is hysterical. The very people that, uh, that uh, proclaim gay rights in terms of marriage and all kinds of other stuff as a political force. And that's where I disagree with the gay. I, I don't care. I mean, I lived in San Francisco and was perfectly happy. I had, you know, I was next neighborhood over from the Castro. It was great. Okay, but the point is, mm-hmm. once it got political, then I had a disagreement. Okay, so don't change the language, don't change the meaning of marriage, don't change the laws, don't change, don't get special benefits, don't think of what you're doing as a civil right. Who you sleep with is not a civil right. You can do it. I don't care. Mm-hmm. But you know, there's, there's I draw a line in terms of how it affects our society, our culture, our laws, and things like that. So so it's just I don't believe in special rights. I just don't. Okay. Anyway, but having said that. The very groups that are the, the Nancy Pelosi would be a good liberal Democrat who would be advancing the LGBTQ agenda if she's married to a gay person. Um, wouldn't that be an advantage? You know, I'm trying to think, you know, or would that be a disadvantage? I, just I find don't it the thing know. To think about. I, I mean, yeah. I'm not a, a spinner, like a publicist. I'm sure the marketing people and the publicists mm-hmm. decide these things. You know, have we ever had a politician or a figure come out? as gay and then their career continues to soar and I guess um Kardashian, the the husband, yeah, Bruce Jenner. I guess that actually increased his he was kinda of no, being he, ignored. She actually she actually went through gender surgery. I don't see I don't even know yeah. what to call it. You know, see I see to me, because I don't right, scientifically you cannot change you cannot change your chromosomes. If you're born a man or if you're born a woman, if you're but born you can a male, change your gender. Female. But you can change your gender. You can change your Anatomy, <laughs> but you can't change your you can't change your gender. You can change your anatomy, but you gender can't change your is the presentation. Gender is just the presentation. Sex no, is, see, the, is the chromosomes and the, okay. Oh, well, okay. So and that's okay. So I, I I stand corrected. You're right there because gender is actually yeah. literature, and that's where it comes from. Like in in French and Italian and uh, in Spanish, you know, la table, the table. That the table is French is feminine, you know. Right. El, El Lobo in Spanish, the wolf. Well, that's masculine, you know, but there, but, but, you know, but female male wolves are masculine in Spanish and, you know, tables, an inanimate object also has a gender, which is kind of interesting. So we don't get an English, mm. but in terms of gender, you're right. So gender is what you, uh, what you present. That makes sense. But, but sex, what your sex is, 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 you know, what your chromosomes are and that you can't change. What it does, and it increases the divisiveness and the shame. I mean, if okay. everyone kind of knows you're gay, mm-hmm. but you're, you stay in this marriage and have this image, I mean, mm-hmm. you're sort of increasing the feeling of shame. Like, you're not helping the LGBT community. You're, you're, you're living a lie. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. So who's these, living the lie? Celebrities and, you know, I mean, they're both living well, the lie, really. If you're if you're if you're you know Nancy Pelosi and she's straight and Paul Pelosi is gay and they're married, that's a lie for on both of their parts. I bet a lot of couples get married young and then they just go through so much evolution and they decide to stay married, and someone realizes that. You but know. divorce is so common. Why why wouldn't she say, look, I you know my husband's you know confirmed and confessed that he's gay and uh, we're going to amicably divorce and uh, okay fine then he can you know. Then it's not an issue. Maybe they found that if you have that kind of scandal, that most of mm-hmm. the American public, I mean, maybe they, they said your career probably won't be what it could be if you, if you do that. You really need but, to just have this image for everyone that you're perfect. Which gets to another issue that, so that I wanted to talk about. She, I think her career is totally separate from him. Nobody knew who he was until he crashed up that car in Napa with a young man on board, apparently. 
you know. And I even found an article yeah. that the New, York, New York Post said he, he actually ended up killing his brother when he was 16 years old. He oh crashed a car. Oh, my God, the trauma. So he's got a long, Can you imagine? Well, here's what I'm thinking. Well, that's my next question. He's a train wreck. get over that? Yeah, exactly. So in other well, words, he's a train wreck. I mean, that's a lot of trauma. So we don't even know where to start with him because mm-hmm. we don't even know if he's actually gay or if he's just having these. Okay, so we talk about moving towards pleasure rebellious? and away from Hold on. We talk about moving towards pleasure and away from pain. So when you've had a lot of trauma, sometimes it might look like there's two, there's a difference between moving towards pleasure intentionally because you love yourself and you feel you deserve it or moving towards addictive, indulgent quote pleasures because you're escaping pain and trauma and to try to relieve anxiety. So, Yes, mm. I believe in sexual freedom. Yes, I believe in, in autonomy. And you could, two consenting adults can do whatever they want. But a mm-hmm. lot of these behaviors that are self-destructive, like having a guy in underwear show up at your house in the middle of the night with a hammer or whatever happens, because you're having an affair and you're secret and he's probably strange and you like to do strange things together, which is all good. But a lot of that isn't like a choice made from a place of high self-esteem and autonomy and exploring sexuality in a fun way. A lot of those choices are from doing anything to cover up the pain of trauma, to escape from it, the endless negativity and blackness that your heart and soul feels. You know what I mean? Because of what happened to you that you haven't dealt with. Um, so that's what I, that's what I wanted to ask you about. Yeah, well, that's what I specifically wanted to ask you when I found that article. I mean, when I think it's talking about it, but it was the New York Post, and it was back when he had the Napa accident that he ended up, and the, he, the New York Post actually says he killed his brother. I wouldn't go that far because I don't know. But uh, and apparently he reported to the police that his brother said, yeah, please slow down. So this guy's been a train wreck probably oh, since no. birth. So here's the question I have. Can you ever get over a trauma like that? I don't think you can. I mean, you, you live. You, you, I do stays think with you can. You. Yes. You can well, get over it. Stays it? With you. Like, well, every, every experience stays with you. It's how right. you choose to interpret it and how okay. you choose to end the story in your own heart and mind. Uh-huh. I, I mean, some stories are more difficult than others, but if I have a strong spiritual belief, look, I've had death in my family. I choose to believe that that spirit of that person who loved me so much that was taken too early is mm-hmm. still somehow around. I believe in meta, the metaverse. I believe not the metaverse, the um, parallel universes, theoretical physicists for years have said there's, I won't get into all that, but I believe that mm-hmm. it's very possible for that person's spirit on some level to be able to help me whether, and to be able to be there. And if I call on them and I don't know in what form, I have no idea, but, but I choose to believe that they're stronger now than they were before and that this was their path. And I mean, it's, it's a lot to process, but it's the story you tell yourself about the situation and grief is normal. And to to go through the stages of grief and, and sink into them, without mm-hmm. letting them consume you, right? But, I mean, being able to be in touch with your emotions and express them freely and feel them with a support system. Um, just healthy ways to grieve and then healthy ways to tell the story to yourself over and over so that it has kind of a happy ending. I hate to say it. I know that sounds weird, but that it has an ending that you can be at peace with. Not, why did God do this? I hate God. I'm so angry, which is a normal stage of grief, again, but mm-hmm. but also healthy to move through that onto the next stage, right, at some point. Yeah. Well, this is where I'm, I'm, I'm curious about the, the relationship and, and the possible dysfunction on both their levels. You know, Nancy Pelosi chose to marry some, or Nancy, whatever her name was before, chose to marry somebody that had this trauma, has this tragedy, um, you know, and he's still driving cars and crashing, you know, what, 70 years later? He's still mm-hmm. doing the same yeah. kind of reckless behavior. 
And so well, I'm, she, I'm could to be think- a, she could be the martyr caregiver. So, I mean, everyone has a different type of relationship. She could have decided to take on this broken person because, she, I mean, we have a lot of women with this martyr caregiver need. Oh, and it serves, what it, I call them? Yes, it yeah. serves their own. It serves mm-hmm. something within themselves that feels unfulfilled if they don't have someone who's broken near them, that they can be stronger and they can be the fixer and they can be the big sister. You know, we don't know that relationship. But do, you, do for them. women look upon these men as equals? I mean, in a relationship, look, especially she, sexual relationship, you want to be, she, you want an equal. I'm right? sure she's the masculine energy. I'm sure she's the, the mom which, as well as. Which gets yeah. to my next point. And the point is powerful women with, with uh, male husbands that nobody knows about, you know, Mrs. You know, Mr. Diane Feinstein, you know, Mr. Mm-hmm, Nancy Pelosi. Mm-hmm. And because the stereotype mm-hmm. is still there. So women can be the dutiful wife and can be the CEO. That's okay. I hate Men, the word dutiful is a trigger for me. Okay. So mm-hmm. let me pick another word, you know, uh, support. Okay. You can use it. Okay. Let's, let's, let's do support. It's not yours. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, exactly. I've never been, a, yeah. I've never been a supportive wife, so I'm not going to worry about it. But the point is, but, but, you know, in other words, women can, can fulfill many roles, you know, that, uh, and that's society goes, okay, fine. If you're a supportive wife, that's great. Or if you're a CEO, that's great. Okay. So that's not an issue. Men still have to be, you know, the guy. This is why I made that stereotypical uh, uh, thing that, that to start the show, which I think is kind of funny, actually. But in many ways, as you analyze it, you go, oh, geez, there's more to it than I thought. Um, but the point is that someone like a Paul Pelosi, someone like, a, you know, Richard Blum, who's Diane Feinstein's husband, um, Streisand's husband. No, he was an actor, so he has his own I'm career. Sure he's but, the, I'm sure he's the feminine in that relationship. I'm sure that Paul – I mean, look, I don't know, but I'm not interesting. he's the feminine. I doubt okay. she goes home and switches all of a sudden. I mean, very few women can do that. Kudos if you can, you know, but it's, she's in a very masculine role as, at her job. And yeah. she would, she would, I, I'm just going to say this, hoping, begging forgiveness from your listeners, because there's a lot more to this, but to say it. Oh, and don't disclaim would, it. Just say it. She would need to come home and, and, and transform into her feminine if she has a masculine energy male that she wants to cherish her. She would right. need to really come into her feminine. And I think that's very challenging. And that's, and then men coming home from their, their job. And, and, and trying to transform, you know, into this thing that the woman needs. Also, this, this transformation I think is very hard when you come into the back, back home from, from work. You know, it's, just, it's a big energy shift that's required. But, um, you know. So this is what I'm curious some about. So you got one it. of the most you got one of the most powerful. I'm sure people can do it. I just don't think these two can. Um, but this is why I find this fascinating. So now you've got. But they got, don't even need to. Like if they decided that she's the masculine at home and he's okay being the feminine, great. Okay. It works. How do you decide yeah. that? How, how does that get worked out? I've never, I don't think I've ever had a situation with because I've always been this, this macho dude who looks like a nerd. So I'm, I'm my own contrast, actually, which is kind of interesting. But that's I mean, the, the we'll difficult thing sometime. is I don't think, yeah. I think most people don't decide it consciously. They don't oh. have a relationship contract. They don't sit down and say, okay. here's what makes me feel really fulfilled when I'm with you. Here's <laughs> how it is when you say these things, when you do these things. I feel really good and 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 then he says i feel really good when you're like this and you're like this and i can be this and i can be this okay how do we keep that who what does that look like and there's relational psychologists that can help with this if a couple wants mm-hmm. to go to therapy and i think it's a beautiful idea before you get married to have a relationship contract and and kind of Makes decide me. if i'm how ever do you crazy feel enough really good in our relationship yeah yeah mm-hmm. if i'm ever crazy enough to get married again i'm going to talk to you about this <laughs> It makes a lot of sense. Uh, I don't. It does make sense. And so you said, "Well, how do they decide?" 
Yeah. A lot of couples don't decide. They don't decide. They mm. just kind of end up here, and then she gets a okay. job shift. Responsibilities change. Kids are born, and all of a sudden, all that juicy, yummy, sexy energy that happened in the beginning has completely mm-hmm. gone away because we are no longer in the roles that make the other one feel amazing, mm-hmm. um, whether we're depleted ourselves or we've just sort of decided to you know, we just sort of shifted based on our responsibilities and we feel like we can't help it, but there's not an ongoing yeah. discussion. Yeah. Um, well, let's, I think uh, it does take a lot of communication. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's just say just for the for sake of argument that Nancy Pelosi was married to Chuck Schumer. He runs the Senate. She runs the House. They're both equal. They're power couples. They're in politics. They have a lot in common, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, and that might make for an equal partnership as opposed to mm-hmm. uh, the situation where we have the, the person that nobody knows who seems to be an alcoholic, who se- we know wrecks cars, who drives drunk, and it possibly is, is gay or, or has male lovers and things well, like I that. Well, uh, I don't know this, you know. Well, here's my question, though. Um, okay. Is he being rebellious? He strikes me as a rebellious two-year-old throwing a tantrum because he's mm-hmm. not the star. He's not the, he's not the power person. Nancy Pelosi gets all the attention. I mean, all the attention. You know, nobody knows who mm-hmm. this guy is. Uh, I, I mm-hmm. guess he, you know, he shows up, you know, he's known as Nancy's husband. Okay. Mm-hmm. And guys, like I say, I still think there's a certain, certain, you know, uh, in the ancient lizard, lizard brain of us guys that we like to be, you know, our own person and, and be able to do or accomplish something. Cause I think I, I, I was probably as guilty, more guilty than most people, you know, my self-esteem comes from my accomplishments, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, the question is, well, aren't you a good person yeah. by yourself? Yes, I am a good person, but. My self-esteem comes from my accomplishments. You know, what I've I been able to that. do. I love that. I think that's really honorable. Yeah. Huh. I mean, to me, that just feels very masculine and honorable. And that's interesting because I will say I'm deeply in my feminine. I, I would say my self-esteem comes when people say things like, wow, you did this thing for me and it really helped me. Wow, yeah, what okay. you said to me and shared with me really helped me. Wow, that pie you made was really good. Wow, your hair looks really nice. And I'm not trying mm-hmm. to be sexist. This is who I am. But mine, no, I, I think, think the, comes from knowing, knowing that I'm providing for others, knowing that I'm helping them, knowing right. that I'm providing an aesthetically beautiful environment. Um, mm-hmm. I don't have to go make any money at all to feel amazing about myself. I don't mm-hmm. need to really even have any accomplishments that the 3D world sees as valuable, um, which is really interesting that you're saying that. So she, Nancy Pelosi, has all these 3D accomplishments and super like um, solid, I can prove that I'm valuable accomplishments, you know, mm-hmm. and, and he is sort of floating around he does. Um, not being, not being honored and not being um, respected, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I always thought of yeah. uh, Margaret Thatcher's husband and, uh, and some of the other really powerful women, because the guys, you know, it's, I'm wondering what does that do in a relationship? Given the stereotypes, given, you know, the, the, who we are, men and women are different. You know, I like to say you value being, you know, being able to support people and help people. And I, I, I do the same thing here. I mean, action radio is designed to bring freedom to the greatest number of people worldwide. That's why I'm doing this, mm-hmm. but I see it as mm-hmm. the accomplishment side. So this, and it's not just me doing this. It's the fact that this is being mm-hmm. done. I mean, it happens to be done by me, mm-hmm. but I'm not, I'm not, this is, you know, I don't put my name on the show. I don't, I don't t- take a lot of credit. I always say we a lot. I talk about action radio because it's, it's not everything, but even though in my heart, I know I started this whole thing. <laughs> so, so I feel good about that. Um, but that brings a lot of power to, so if I go to a relationship, if I'm, you know, if I'm going to, you know, for whatever my next relationship is, you know, I'm, I'm coming as a person who is probably way too self-confident, you know, probably has a little more ego than I should, but it's coming from a place of, I've, I'm really happy with myself because I've been able to do things that very few people can say they've done. And it, it doesn't matter about the other people. It matters to me. I've accomplished things that I wanted to accomplish. So that, 
gives me supreme confidence, I think, to bring. Now, so I could, I could meet up with a very powerful woman who does whatever she does. I said, okay, cool. Hey, listen, you got your life. You might be, you know, whatever, running, you know, Corporation X. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm doing Action Radio. It's not huge yet, but it will be. But the idea is, is incredible, I think, and that's why I pursue it. So that, that puts me as an equal basis with, with a woman that I would have a relationship with. Now, let's go to the Paul Pelosi. So let's go to the guys that guys want to be guys. Guys want to accomplish. Guys want to, you know, have a title or something. You know, and if you can't have that and the, the woman that you're with is so supremely powerful, you know, do you turn into a two-year-old throwing tantrums? Do you attract attention I to yourself so. in a I bad think, way? Like, Greg, like I feel crashing like cars? it's a similar I feel like it's a similar conversation, like as the children at home and the homeschooling, it all depends on what's happening in your home. It really okay. does. I think okay. you choose a certain person with a certain, well, you choose someone who either, it's the, the choice in the marriage, you know who they are going into the marriage. So on some mm-hmm. level, you're choosing that. Somebody who doesn't know how to do their work, somebody who doesn't know how to have a life outside of you. And as a woman, maybe I'm choosing that I want to wear the pants and I want to be the boss and I'm going to be a, I'm going to mother him and I'm going to advise him and I'm going to do all the things that kind of erodes his masculinity. So there's that choice going in. And then also, even if I do have this high power position and my husband has a more subtle, quiet life, what happens in the home determines a lot. And so I think you can have whatever job you want and your husband can have whatever job he wants and you can have this quote role reversal and still have an amazing marriage. Um, okay. And I think it just depends on what happens at home and how you treat each other at home and the relationship agreement. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't have a, a good example of marriage to draw on. I wish I did. It'd be nice to be able to say, I don't know. I know that if I, I feel like if I can make my masculine man feel like a king, We've got a lot of problems solved. There's a lot of sticky points in our relationship that are going to go away. It's just not going to be an issue because everyone feels generous. Do you think that's one of the things that feminine has, feminism has done? The bad side, not the good side, the good side of equality, you know, of equal finance, equal treatment, equal job opportunities, equal things like that. But the bad side, that mm-hmm. men are bad, men are toxic, let's drug the, the boys in school, give them Ritalin, let's, let's take away their, you know, anything that looks like accomplishment or competition. And so let's take away mm-hmm. everything that they are being men. So let's, let's uh, do you think that, that, has, that women have been taught for the last 30 years that you're the powerful one, you're the one that counts, you know, a guy's nice you to know, have, but... There's but, so much, there's so you know, much bullshit yeah. that we've been taught. We have to choose. Okay. We have to take responsibility. There's so much bullshit. We know now from the past few years of politics, you have to own your own brain. You have to critically think. And you have to be able to look at your own experience. I mean, don't get married right away. Date a little bit and look and see. What do you track to do? What works? And what doesn't? And don't believe all the stuff you were told. And if I go to work... Yes, I want to make money that reflects what I'm contributing, not based Mm -hmm. on my gender. That seems basic. But if I don't, I want my work at home to be as valued as your work outside the home. That's a real problem because we still don't have that either, as evidenced Mm -hmm. by what happens after divorces that I won't get into. But um, we have a lot of work to do, and I think the conversations need to continue. um, But as far as making my masculine man feel like a king – when he feels that way, he then in turn cherishes me, and I feel so amazing and melty. It makes me want to do even more for him, and this love cycle just continues, right? But when we go into our ego, and he should have done this, and what did he mean by that, and we're not communicating, mm-hmm. and I'm all of a sudden, you know, giving him advice and telling him what to do, and, you know, 
all these things that erode the masculine feminine energy, which all come from ego, all that stuff comes from ego, you know, that's a choice too. And so I don't know, I'm going forward choosing intentionally um, to move towards pleasure as we were originally going to talk about. Both oh, we'll get back to it. And, uh, we, we have a continuum. And, 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 and separately, know, yeah. yeah, like like yeah. if I move towards pleasure in my day-to-day, I come to the table <laughs> in a relationship with a feeling of being super turned on by myself already and willing to share that turn on with him. So now yeah. I come into his home and I light a candle and I offer to make dessert and maybe I spray some nice things in the room to make it smell good and I'm actually already coming full of my own pleasure to share because I've fed myself throughout the day and I'm not coming waiting for him to pleasure me and buy me something. Do this, although I love those things. <laughs> I'm coming already filled. Well, up. you're going to get those things. And, you know uh, what yeah, you did comes back exactly. to you. Yeah. So we have a couple. We should we should go here in a couple of minutes. But what? Because uh, we're kind of out of time here. But what we need to do is, you know, you raised a great issue. You know, how to make your 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 you know masculine man feel like a king, and so, and then we can do the 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 uh, the corollary. That is, is how does the uh, masculine man make the feminine woman feel like a queen. And so in the support here, because the benefits are going to come back to you many times over. If you're making the guy feel yes. like the king and oh. he comes in and it smells good and you look hot and mm-hmm. everything's, you know, believe me, the, all, all, the next several questions have already been answered. Okay. <laughs> you know, the what ifs, okay? yeah. already, you know, uh, and that's what we forget that. We forget that, um, you know, that kind of stuff, but that'd be interesting to talk about. Yeah. And simple stuff, simple stuff that. will get you it's, through the complex. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. it's hard to do that. It's hard to make someone else feel amazing if you are empty inside. So it starts mm-hmm. with you. We're not victims. Move towards pleasure. I don't care what it is. When you walk mm-hmm. across your carpet next time you get up, take your shoes off, walk slow, close your eyes, and feel the soft carpet on your feet. That mm-hmm. in itself is a pleasure. Slow the F down and feel the good things. And when yeah. something unpleasant comes in, can you retell the story? What if it wasn't that? What if the story were different? Is it a possibility that the story ends positively? Can we look mm-hmm. for that positive ending? I mean, all these things, um, then you're filled up, and then what you bring to the table, first of all, you attract somebody even better than you would. Mm-hmm. Your, your energy yep. is now different, so you're attracting a higher-level person, oh, and then you're fulfilling them, yeah. and then they well, Your life them. attracts mm-hmm. different people in fascinating ways. You know, the people, I mean, when I was a needy, you know, young 20 person coming from a dysfunctional family, the people I attracted are completely different than the people that are independent, free-thinking, love freedom, love God, love uh, all the things that we talk about on the show here. Totally. Yeah. Totally yeah. different group of people. internal work. Oh, yeah. Yeah, who yeah. You, you know, you attract who you are. Yeah. Oh, we have so much to talk about. This is fun. But, uh, you know, if, <laughs> if your life's too complicated, go to a cafe. Seriously, simple pleasures can get you through the complicated times, I think. Go to a cafe think... and smile at someone and say something nice to them and see what yeah. happens, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I talk to people that don't want to talk sometimes. That's my problem. I look at the people who have got the, the headsets and, the, and they're buried in their computer. I look at them and I go, hello, you know, what are you doing? And they look at me like I'm some kind of alien with three heads. I'm working. Why are you working here? <laughs> I do that just because I'm, I'm me. <laughs> anyway, on that note. That's funny. Yeah, you have a need for social connection for sure. Well, no, I just it's like the opportunity. I'm there. I mean, I don't, I don't go out of my way to go to cafes just to bug people who are working there, you know, trying to isolate themselves from other people in a crowded environment. I just recognize the irony of isolating yourself in a crowded environment and going to it on purpose. I find that fascinating. Well, it's a people. I thing. mean, there's there's sometimes people have a need to be around others, but they they want that feeling of being in others' energy space, but they have to get work done. I think, and so they don't want to be lonely at home. You know. Or they want free Wi-Fi. That's another thing. 
I mean, you could always send them a, a coffee, like buy them a coffee anonymously, you know, mm. and have it sent okay. over there. <laughs> no, it's more fun to stare at them and bug them. <laughs> I, I have my, I have well, a, my, my mischievous dark side. That's the two-year-old and you. you. Oh, no kidding. Oh, yeah, no. I, I, I admit it. I have, a, I have a, I can be petty. I can be, you know, I have a little bit of a dark side, a little bit of sarcasm that goes beyond where it should. You know, I, I freely admit that. I try to control these things, like you say, control my emotions, but every once in a while, they win. I just sorry. You I'm know gonna, what? I'm, know yourself. First and foremost, know yourself. None of us are I perfect. I do. You know? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. All right. Me too. Um, Lots of faults. Isn't it fun though? See now, this is how I can mm-hmm. tell a good relationship. When you love the other person's faults, the rest is easy. Yeah. That's what I think. Things that would be, it's you know, all if they're, love. if they things that other people would criticize are endearing to you, you found the right person. That's, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Sometimes it just okay. works, you know, and you find something exactly. that just works. Yeah, they're crazy, but I love her anyway. What are you going to do? Okay, fine. Um, contact, yeah, sometimes you love them more. You love that crazy. Okay, yeah, yeah website is yoniyoon.com. Uh, that's Y-O-N-I-Y-U-N.com. And I'm on Facebook, and I work with women, moving them towards pleasure, a sensual feminine movement to reignite the divine feminine energy and make their body super strong, happy lives. So, um, yeah, I'm on Facebook, and I have a website, and that's about it. And I love talking to you. I love our Monday gatherings. This is, this is really fun because we, you know, I mean, where, where else, could, what other radio show can you go from, uh, you know, just a, a total news thing to a complete legal constitutional discussion to consensuality? And we're all talking about the same thing each hour. I mean, it's just, it was fascinating. This has been a fascinating day. Thank you, Dorothy. Let's do it next week. Yeah, it's good stuff. Good stuff, Greg. All right. All right see you next week. Take care. Bye now. Bye-bye. So just a couple of reminders, folks. We are trying to find some sponsors, some big national sponsors for our show here because they need to reach several million people. You know, if we're going to be effective as a lobbying organization, um, you know, promoting our citizen legislation, we need to have literally millions of people. And so the bigger the show gets, the better, the more things we'll be able to accomplish. And so if you want to help us out, you know, especially businesses, we've got paypalme.com uh, slash paypalme slash action radio. That might be redundant. I'll have to check that one out. Uh, just regular contributors who want to help us out here, givesendgo.com slash action radio. And so if you put action radio in any of these uh, sites, you'll you probably find us without too much trouble. So that's the main thing. Uh, that's what we're, we're going for. Uh, trying to get uh, connected to a couple things like the Reawaken America Tour. I want to teach workshops on, on how to do citizen legislation. I'd love to do the same thing at CPAC and all the big conventions is to actually hold legislative workshops. And so uh, to create citizen legislators everywhere, and we're going to take talk show hosts and, and, and hopefully they'll become action hosts and they'll start working with legislation because I learned a long time ago that uh, changing uh, the personalities in government isn't working. You know, you're changing people and you're getting the same results. Well, eventually you, you reach the definition of insanity. This election, same thing. Well, we've got to change the people. We'll get the right people in. Everything will change. Well, not if you're going to put, you know, McCarthy and uh, um, McConnell at the head of the House and Senate, you're going to have exactly the same result because the people are not going to do it. So this is why you, you need to change the laws. And that's what Action Radio is all about. So that's what we do here. Anyway, uh, legislative website, writeyourlaws.com, W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S. And that's where you find all the good legislation. So go to the legislation side. You'll see propose a new law. tells you how to write one. Uh, the next one is citizen bill ideas. That's where we work on our bills. And the third one, all proposed laws. Those are the ones that are being sent out to government and media. A couple things to play. Back tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. Central Time, and I will see you then. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? 
It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.